I'm Derek Gordon. It's that midnight hustle. You know what I'm doing, man. It's it's fucking it's the same thing that I do week in, week out. So if I got to just explain that shit to you again, just watch the other fucking videos, man. I ain't got time for that right now because right now what I'm doing is really long overdue. And I got my boy Toddy D, Todd De Palma in the house. And if you haven't noticed by now, we're big, big fucking wrestling fans. Like like we've, we've something we both grew up on. He'll tell you right off the bat his, his key phrase right now. Been a fucking wrestling fan since 1977, and all of a sudden, he keeps that shit going. But um, what's what's most important is that we work together. We actually met um, while while we were working at NWA Cyberspace, aka NWA Shockwave, aka Cyberspace Wrestling Federation, and it's been defunct since 2007. But nobody really knows the story. And I'll be very honest with you. I don't think anybody gives a fuck about the story. Nobody, nobody's <laughs> out there knocking on my door saying, "Yo, you got to tell that story about NWA Cyberspace." It just didn't happen. I actually thought about writing a book a while ago, and um, I would because what I'm telling you right now that nobody wants to watch this episode, they probably wouldn't have fucking bought the book. So I'm like, what's the point? I'm nobody. It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. I would have bought the book. Um, but listen, since since we're here, since we're talking about it, since we lived through it, um, it's it's good to take a trip down memory lane. But I, I think the reason why we haven't done this in a long time is because um, there's so many untold stories. There's so many fabrications of the truth. There's so many bullshit rumors out there there's so many people who who had an opinion but didn't know the facts um we want to change that we want to tell the stories we want to relive it but we want to set the record straight and the only person that knows the truth is me and it's mainly because one i don't bullshit and two the truth is the easiest thing to remember so if you talk to other people they're going to tell you their point their perspective their bullshit like look dude i got nothing to lose i don't give a fuck about wrestling anymore this organization is is almost 15 years dead um you know billy firehawk isn't here with us anymore but like i said me and todd d we're going to talk about this today there's a lot of shit that he doesn't know i'm gonna let him ask all sorts of questions if we run out of time then we're just going to start discussing um you know we'll have follow-ups and and if, if you really want more about this or if you have questions or you heard rumors or if you're hot about some shit that i said leave it in the comments we will touch base and we'll bring you on if we have to um just to set the record straight so this is going to be part one of the untold story of nwa cyberspace but we're going to take it back to the cswf days before we start that what's up todd man it's been a long what's time what's going on brother up, my man. brother from another mother how you doing man <laughs> Dude, <clears throat> it's been it's a long been... long time my man but i'm yeah. happy to be here thanks for having me on and i'm looking forward to hearing stories that i have no idea of and i'm also looking forward to telling stories that actually happened versus all the bullshit that was given so yeah. this is gonna be a hell of a ride i can't wait yeah, man, dude, I I love the uh, the shrine you have back there of, of NWA Cyberspace. Greatest time ever, man. I see my dude Billy Firehawk in the back. Yep. Man, I, I dude, I miss that guy tremendously. So do I, man. Billy, yep. hanging out with Billy was always like a treat because he would go from Vegas to Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I'd pick him up, and in the road stories that he would tell me, obviously he was embellishing, but the stories from Brooklyn to Jersey were priceless. They were great, and I truly miss the stories as well as Billy. You know what the funny thing is? You use the word embellish. And if there's one thing Billy did was he fucking embellished. And we're going to get to that. And as much as I love him, there's no disrespect to anybody unless you'll hear the tone of my voice when I want to disrespect somebody. I'm not going to hold back. There are people here that are going to get disrespected. Likewise. So there are people I'm, I'm going to take wait. a big wet shit on, throw them under the bus, reverse, hit them again. It's going to happen. But Billy, Billy holds a very special place in my heart. You know, when, when I first I first broke into the wrestling business in 1992 and, um, you know, one of the first things that somebody ever told me, King Kong Bundy told me, um, 
Mr. Five. Yeah, five. <laughs> and the funny thing is that he did that too when he told me this. He goes, you're lucky if at the end of your wrestling career you have five good friends in the wrestling business because they are few and far between. You come across a lot of people um, and they, they act like your friend, but they're always your acquaintance. But the minute you can't offer them anything, offer them a booking or, you know, Once, hook them up. Whatever. It's all about this. Once That's what it's can't about. Get anything from you. The phone stops ringing. And they don't give a shit. Yeah. And, and I learned that, you know, <clears> I'm not going to say the hard way because I expected it, but it, 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 it is disappointing because you put so much of yourself into a project, investing in people in their growth and development. Oh, and yeah. then they forget you as a person. If no, I can. agree because there were times in where you and I used to do promotional work and your phone would be blowing up. Hey, bro, how you doing, man? What's going on? How you doing? What can you do for me? Right. That's why they were calling yeah. you. And then when they got through the bullshit, what can you do for me? Uh-huh. And then when cyberspace was over, you know, I mean, me personally, when I used to go to the show, I used to get a lot of people come up to me and everybody wants to be your best friend when you're in the business. <laughs> yeah. What have you done for me lately? Right, right. right. Right now, we're irrelevant. As a matter of fact, you know, I open up the show and people think I'm doing like, ah, he's just fucking around. Honestly, nobody gives a fuck about NWA Cyberspace. If you go to any indie show right now, today, granted there's COVID, and you tell them, oh, hey, I'm from NWA Cyberspace, they're like, what the fuck is that? It's so old. There's no reason. Who's that? Yeah, I'm just saying, (laughs) like, like, nobody knows. No, if if I went to a new town, like, hey, how you doing, Derek Gordon, former book of NWA Cyberspace? Like, what's NWA Cyberspace? It's dead. It's defunct. It's forgotten. Um, but but because of that, I don't know, man. Like, like, not that it was hard for me to put it to bed because I'm still putting up a lot of the matches, a lot of the content that we had, um, on YouTube. Um, but I'm trying to keep Billy's memory alive. Keep in mind, right, right. When this whole thing started, there barely was an internet. And then and that's where the name came from, too. And I'll, I'll get right. into that. But, um, yeah, man, it, it's, it's just I, I wrestled with myself about telling these stories because nobody ever asked to hear them. But exactly. I know that when, when I run into people, people are one are going to say, oh, my, yeah, I did hear about you guys. But they have this preconceived notion about some bullshit that they've heard. Exactly. Or whatever happened to them? What's going on lately? Are you still in the business? I get that all the time. It's weird because a friend of yours, a friend of ours, Billy the Kid, actually ran into Bobby Roode about a year ago at some sort of signing. I I guess his company brought somebody in for like uh, employee sign autographs and stuff like that. And um, he's like, hey, I do remember me, NWA Cyberspace. Bobby Roode, our last world heavyweight champion. He was like, "Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Billy said he had to walk. Now, I don't know if Billy was working me, but he said he had to walk away and he came back. He goes, hey, how's Derek doing? Uh, I'm like, yeah, I got a feeling that didn't come up. I, I think exactly. Bobby would recognize <laughs> me from a distance and I'd have to remind him. But yeah, man, those days are over. They're defunct. Yeah, I, I, mean, um, if I went up to Bobby Roode now. And meanwhile, I used to always meet him at the airport. I pick him up, drop him off. We went out for right. dinner a few times. And if I went to a show now, I'd say, hey, Bobby, how you doing? Who the fuck are you? The fuck are you, right? <laughs> We're talking about 15, 16 years ago. You right, and, and then you get that too. That he would be, he would be a champion. We, yeah, and then you know, what, what do you years ago? You get the oh yeah. Meanwhile, you don't know if he's registering or not. And then you get the limp fucking wrist, the the, the handshake that they do in wrestling. Yeah, the right, fuck? right. But no disrespect to Bobby Roode. I'm, I'm glad that you know he's one of those guys that we believed in first, and That's then right. finally he's getting his push. Um, but let's take it back to the beginning, man. Um. You, you knew Billy. I knew Billy. I, I knew Billy way before he started um, CSWF. Um, I'll get into that, but t- tell me what, what your first impressions of Billy was. I'll, I'll never forget it. It was 2003. A buddy of mine, Marlon, as you remember him, he and I, we saw an ad about cyberspace. We were working actually at MCI. We had our uh, wrestling apps minimized on the computer, so the boss couldn't see it. 
So I see this big dude on the on the uh, website, and I look quickly. I thought it was Abdul the Butcher, and I take a second <laughs> look. I was like, oh, who the hell is this dude? So we were looking at the shows that were coming up. So I told Marlon, well, why don't we go to the show, check it out. So we go down to the show at the Wayne PAL, Police Athletic League in Wayne, New Jersey. And there was a guy on a phone scrambling around, and he was cross-eyed. His name was Dave. And he couldn't get a show together. And he's like, where's my ring? Where's my security? Where's this? Where's that? So me, me being, but as a salesman, I went up to him. I said, listen, I couldn't over, you know, over help uh, hear your problem. I said, listen, my buddy and I, we can work security tonight if you'd like. He's like, yeah, no problem. So we walked in. I got introduced to Billy. And he said, oh, you know, hey, my name is Billy Farhawk. I'm the owner of this company. Who are you? And I told him who I was. And after the first night of just, you know, helping out, I said, listen, I've been a wrestling fan since 77, as you said earlier. I got into the business in 1990. I was trained by Johnny Rods. And I'm just looking to do behind the scenes work. And I love to just, you know, get involved. It looks like you have a really cool company. If you give me an opportunity, I won't let you down. So, you know, he gave me the opportunity on the street team. I, tried, I started proving my worth and I hung out with the other guys and I just did everything I was told to do. I didn't get in the way, didn't steal the spotlight from anybody. And Billy and I, we built a rapport over a course of time. And he just took a liking to me. And before you knew it, I was get, you know, I was put into better scenarios with the company. And, you know, there was some jealousy that we'll get into in the future with some other guys. But then once you and I met, we clicked right away, both Brooklyn guys, wrestling fans. And, uh, you know, we shot the shit. And, you know, here we are 15, what, 16 years later, and we're still boys. Yeah, man. Like you said yeah. earlier, if you can count five people on your hand, consider yourself lucky. Yeah, it's, and it's, you were number one on that hand, brother. So I appreciate that, man. You too, you know, man. There's nobody that. from those days that I actually speak to as often as we speak. And and there's, there's gaps in time that, that you and I. Well, well hey, we're both family guys. We have right, responsibilities, right. but yeah, we, we don't, don't we don't take it out on each other. Listen, mm -hmm. if you don't call me within you know two months, I'll say, oh, how you doing? And I'll call yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And we it. pick That's up exactly where you left off, man. You just pick and, up where you left off. But Billy, I got a great impression of him. He had he's like a big he was like a big kid at heart. You know, he was infamous for his toy belt getting, you know, getting signed. But uh, I, I love the guy. You know, he was just a big kid. He was just happy to be there. I used to try to tell him, you know, try to separate the, the fan and heart from the businessman. But, you know, all the story for another time. Yeah, man. I met Billy. Um, so I started the business in 92. I, I don't necessarily remember the year that I met Billy. But once I created the diehard Derek character, um, I wasn't sure. Obviously, I want to be in the wrestling business somehow. I, I wanted to to do something but i don't have the size i'm not i'm short i'm fat i'm ugly ugly might have helped me out but you know what it is. <laughs> but um in in 92 I, I was just taking photos i was like uh, i don't know let me get go to the garden get a memento bring something back that's mine let me see if i can get into this action photography and i met this guy rich mancuso who i know you ran into a couple of times rich the mark mancuso <laughs> i like to call him my old well, friend from youtube Rich had a um a newsletter called Keeping the Ring in a 900 number, which was big in the 90s because that's where you know Black Jack. Remember, remember Black Jack Brown, the yep, Daily News. Black, yep, yep. Those are so he had one back in the days. Me and Gene had one. It yeah, was like man. a big deal back in the 90s. Yeah, so he had a 900 number. He saw me taking pictures, and and just by chance, it, it was it was the the first Garden Show that they didn't broadcast on the MSG network. Main event was um Ric Flair defending the title against the Undertaker. Undertaker had just turned baby. Well, he had been baby face for a little while. He, um, yeah. It was right after SummerSlam. And um, yeah, man, it, it was just really cool. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, what are you going to do with those photos? I was like, fucking develop them. I don't know what you want to do. With <laughs> so then he goes, hey, I have this newsletter. I would love to see your photos. And if you know how to write, you know, 
if you're a big wrestling fan, we, we can do something. I was like, all right, cool. Check it out. It, it, it was a dirt sheet. It wasn't like melts or anything like that, but we used to make it like a little magazine. And, and later on, I ended up taking it over and, 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 it fucking impressed the WWE so much they ended up calling me in to try to work on their magazine with them. Um, but Rich Mancuso really opened the door for me. And 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 um, prior to him, I had met Vince Russo when he was Vicious Vincent on sure, the I Long Island. That. Yeah, you yeah. remember that? He had his radio show. <laughs> sure. yep. um, so I had met him and I thought that Rich was Vince. And I was like, oh, shit, Vince Russo? He's like, nah, Rich Mancuso. I was like, oh, all right, whatever, close enough. And, Mancuso, um, same thing. Yeah, man, you know, I, I juggled the two of them. They, they were my two mentors in breaking into the business. And, um, you know, along that road, I had to build a, a gimmick name. So I created the diehard character. Um, he didn't have a look or anything like that because he was just writing. He was taking photos. But I, I needed the, that 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 little, uh, that little yeah, the, the hook. There's just, if I'm Derek Gordon, I'm like, oh, okay, just writer. But I'm diehard. I can say things as a character. I, I can portray myself differently. Um Lo and behold, Die Hard became a manager on the independent circuit. So, I, you know, I was doing the rounds and stuff like that. And I ended up meeting Billy Firehawk at one of these shows um, backstage. I want to say he was dating Daisy, uh, Daisy Wee Hawkins, his wife um, at the time. And, and she was new to the scene, but she wasn't really good in the ring. So she asked me, <laughs> she was like, hey, um, would you come to my house and, and shoot some photographs of me? I, I could use some promo shots. And, and you know, I want to, you know, I want to shoot all sorts of things. I was like, oh. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's go. And um, I remember shooting, we were shooting on the roof, and she's like in this robe and bikini and stuff like that. And I come back downstairs to her apartment. Who's on the on the sofa? Billy fucking Firehawk. <laughs> like, who's hey, this guy? Who's this? Yeah, exactly. Who's this guy? Who's this? I was like, hey man. It's like, yo, we went on a couple of shows together. So he, he, I was like, dude, I ain't putting the moves on your lady, nothing like that. Um, but you know, we got to talking. I, I want to say he was doing the Sultan gimmick around that time. And when, when he was when he was the Sultan, everybody thought that he was Fatu. He was Fatu Rikishi, yeah. Right. Yeah, he was right. the Sultan also, right. In so, man, WWF. Yeah. So years later, I ended up at Sudo. I had I had a show there for four years, the first ever internet talk show, uh, the first ever podcast of professional wrestling, to be honest with you, and TV show online. Um, and because of that, I ended up working with WSW for a couple of years. And... I saw the videos. You and yeah, you're right. You all, like, all, it was like almost shit. like a Carson talk show. Right, yeah, man, it was <clears throat> fucking bananas. The thing it was so ahead of its time, like CSWF, because the vision that Billy had was, um, let's just say, pseudo ended up dying in September of 2000. Um, stock market crash, it had, it had you know, the, the internet bubble bursted. We were one of the casualties, a lot of people lost work back then. You know, I had a good run from 97 to 2000 with pseudo. Um, WCW was on its way out and I didn't end up renewing my contract. That's a story for another time. Um, but Billy had come to the show a couple of times and he saw what we were doing and, and he jumped immediately on, on this, this wave of the internet. He's like, shit, we can reach a global audience. That's fucking phenomenal. I mean, I had fans from Australia, Japan, UK, I mean, the 50 states like from all over the world and he was like fuck the fact that you can reach out to these people and provide them entertainment provide them wrestling content is phenomenal and he came They're up with the idea something. he yeah. came up with the idea of CSWF that's why he called it cyberspace wrestling at the at the time internet was it was in, in its infancy way no, ahead of itself way ahead of its time yeah. Yeah. So he had I was a, about to ask you about the cybers because they had like the that's how they started like the internet title right cyberspace well, title. yeah yeah so billy had yeah. the idea and and he pitched the idea to some some friends of his investors quote unquote um and then 911 happened and i believe one of the investors passed away during 911 and it really put everything on hold 
Um, now, prior to 9-11, Billy had come to me. He was like, hey, I have this idea for this promotion. I would love you to be involved. Cyberspace Wrestling Federation. I was like, that's a fucking horrible name. <laughs> so, I was like, where did he come up with the name? Did he tell you like where he got it from or? You know, everybody was just in whenever a wrestler did a promo, um, like like we would have Jimmy Snooker on all the time. He was like, oh, everybody is cyberspace land and in the cyberspace universe out so there. It just caught on. It just caught on. So everybody, instead of saying the Internet, he could have called it Internet Wrestling Federation or whatever. He went with cyberspace. I was like, all right, cool. I was like, well, well before I get involved, obviously, I'll be there for you. I'll, I'll do the diehard gimmick. But he was like, I have business plans. I want you to help me structure the business. I was like, all right, cool. Let's Let's talk about this. Um, so I, I took a meeting with Billy the day that he was doing a photo shoot with all of his talent that he was booking on cyberspace. And when I get there, he, he had rented out this, this loft in Manhattan in somewhere in, in Soho. And, um, he had a professional photographer there, backdrops, lights, everything. And when I get there, I just see, I felt like, 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 um, like a porn shoot, not even a porn <laughs> shoot, man. I felt like I got into a clone factory. And I'm like, what the fuck? All right, think of it this way. You go to Toys R Us, right? Yep, I know where you're going with this. All right, you go to Toys R Us and you look at like, oh shit, LJNs, Hasbros. You got fucking Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, the Iron Sheik, this one, that one. And then you go to the dollar store. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) what the fuck is this shit? So he had a bunch of replicas. He had, instead of the rock, he had the smoke. The smoke, that's what I knew you were going with. Yeah, instead of Stone Cold Steve Austin, he had Ice Cold Billy Austin. And, and, And you know, instead of the Godfather, he had the Good Mother, or the Godmother, whatever the fuck her name is. Um, and it was just like, and I'm looking around, I'm like, what? JD Dreamer. Yeah, another one. We'll get to him. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it, dude. And and there was just so many clones. I'm like, what the fuck am I walking into here? I'm like, yeah, Billy. I'm like, tell me more about this plan. Like, what? He goes, oh well. So, in all fairness, Billy's idea was, I want to sell this to families. So he wasn't trying to ride the um, the wave of the Attitude Era. He was saying, hey, I want to do business. I want to be able to draw families because if you can get kids to say, hey, I, can't, I don't have enough money to see The Rock or Stone Cold. I can see this knockoff for an affordable price and bring my entire family and have a good time with it. And it's supposed to be ha-ha comedy wrestling. I'm like, Keep it family friendly. Right. And I was like, all right, cool. I, I get where you're going, but that's going to fade out. Right. To I'm, not a, show. I'm a fan of originality. I don't like imitation. Yeah. I was like, this this has a limited shelf life and you go in cyberspace wrestling. There's a lot you can accomplish here. Like you're not thinking about the bigger picture. You're thinking about exactly. instant gratification. Um, so we got to talking and stuff like that. And he had his first show coming up before that first show. He decides, Hey man, I want to do a, a press conference. <laughs> like oh, you want to do what? <laughs> With who? Well in front of the horse, my man. Jesus. Sounds like Billy though. Yo, he sets up a press conference at some Chinese restaurant in Manhattan. For he the has cameraman all, and the janitor, all the wrestlers there, and that, right? And he's like, "Yo, I got news coming. I got the newspapers, I got the Village Voice, I got the dirt sheet writers. There might have been, and when you say dirt sheet writers, you're not talking about the Wrestling Observer. You're not talking about PW Insight. You're not talking about shit right. like that. You're talking about, you know, fucking jbrone.com. Exactly. Some kid, yeah, who can't even spell check, and his shit, it's all choppy. And I'm like, oh fuck, nobody showed up, man." So we ended up shooting some stuff. And he was like, hey, man, I'll put it online. 9-11 happens. The fucking press conference is out the window. Right. We never saw that footage again. Half of the people that were there for the photo shoot don't come back to wrestle. We don't know what's going on. I'm like, what the fuck? So Billy calls me up. Before it started. Yeah, this whole thing, like, it was was already doomed. So he calls me up. He says, hey, man, listen, we're going to have to wait a while before we get our first show going. I'll let you know when it happens. We wait. 
I can't tell you the timeline, but whenever it was, he calls. He does a show somewhere out. Um, I want to say that you remember Destiny Jackie, right? Jackie yes. Peterson. Shout out to her. Hope she's doing good. I know she was battling cancer. She, out there. she wasn't feeling well, but I think she's in remission. I hope. Yeah, man. Shout yeah. out to her, man. Shout oh, out to you, Jackie. Another trooper, man. Another fucking oh, yeah. trooper since day one. She was um, a road warrior, man. She was always, you know, at everyone's corner, managing, taking bumps, yeah. getting oh, involved. Yeah. She wasn't afraid to get involved. Not, not at all, man. And and I had met her. Good people. Believe that I knew her longer than I knew Billy because I met her with this guy Hunter Q. I don't know if you ever remember Hunter Q or Bob Bailey for the United States Wrestling Federation. They were out of Elmira, New York. I saw his picture, maybe. I mean, I'm usually good with names, but it doesn't yeah. ring a bell. As a matter of fact, I managed Gene Snitsky as part of the Dark okay, Side. Him, Demon. I know, obviously. Matter, you know who the other guy was? The Dark Side Demons. It was it was Gene Snitsky and AJ Petruzzi. Really? Remember I'm AJ Petruzzi? Say on record, it was not his fault. Like, sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Keep going. Yo, AJ Perjuzzi is the guy who got his ass whipped by Roddy Piper, one hand behind his back. Yes, yes. That was him. He wore the wolf shit. Yo, do you know that AJ Perjuzzi had heat with his father for the longest time? Really? His father thought wrestling was real. He's like, how the fuck do you allow that man to beat you one hand tied behind your back? What the fuck is the matter with you? I was like, oh, dude. Yeah, I wasn't Smart around when up. Roddy was there. I mean, you, you had some great people on CSWF before I got there. You had Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, yeah. Roddy listen. Piper. Yeah. The you had some big names. Well, that was not what we had on the first show. Oh, on the first well, I show, know, gradually, I guess. So going back to the first show, what yeah. happened with the turnout? Let's just say there were probably less than 20 people there. And the only people that came, I want to say roughly 15 to 17 people. Close to 20, but not exactly 20. Right, but they right. were all from his mom's church. His mom set up a bus trip through her church. I want to say they were free tickets which is cool. She, you know, she wants to see her son succeed. She wants to see her son live his dream. Unfortunately, nobody else was there to see it. And it was one of those situations where I was like, I wonder if people would have come had they known what, you know, maybe he did advertise We Again, remember, we didn't have the internet. Right. But who knows if he advertised ahead of time, last minute, because when we used to fly her back in the day, we used to do it a couple of months in advance we printed all the shit up. We went to train right. stations, parking lots, wrestling venues. We went everywhere. So this is before Billy went to Vegas. Do you think, can you see Billy out there fucking papering a town? Okay, uh, <laughs> let me get one block. With the staple gun. Let me get the second block. The cement. I can't squeeze the staple gun. I'm tired from walking. Yo, what do we, what is it, like rubber cement that we used to use to tape we the used fucking to use posters? Shit, man. We used rubber cement. We took the staple gun. We beat the shit out of the poles with it. We would cement yep. shit. We, you know, vi- you know, just like destroy fucking property and not yeah. give a shit. As long as cyberspace was out there, that's all we gave yeah. a shit about. We we used to to put rubber cement on the back of the of the of the posters, and put them up in train stations. So they I remember because the first time I went with you, I'm like, this motherfucker is crazy. You were like, just watch over my shoulder, make sure everything's okay while I do. Sure, there's no like, cops. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this guy doing? I said, okay, go ahead, dude. I said, I guess we're gonna wind up in shackles together, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so we man, did we, it. We got away with it. And, you know, I think that actually helped to get the product across. It, so. it drew it drew a bigger house than 20 people, man. I'll tell you that. Oh, much. yeah, definitely. But you know what? You got to start somewhere. A lot of a lot of shows start with like 10 people, mm-hmm. sometimes like three or four. Like I said earlier, the janitor, the camera guy and the food vendor. Yeah. Hey, listen, that's how ECW started, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, you got to start somewhere. But as we get into this in the future, you know, People would be happy to hear what we went from 10 people to like hundreds of people, yeah. almost like a thousand people. Yeah. And, and, and was, was blowing up at one time. It doesn't it didn't come without controversy either. Oh, no, but, my God. I mean, we'll get into that. And my name was thrown out there. You would think I was a celebrity. I mean, I, unfortunately, it wasn't TMZ. It was the DOI boards <laughs> back in the day. But holy shit, man. 
I was the target of all the abuse. And I'll be honest yeah. with you. I laughed my ass off. I loved it. I didn't give a oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put me over. <laughs> and I'm going to get into the problems with that because I'm usually one, like you said, I don't give a shit what they say about me. Just put no. my name right. But when it starts really? to impact business yeah, in a big different. way. That's and when different. the guy that's running the show is so heavily entrenched in it. And, and that, it distracts him yeah. from, right. It, it distracts him from actually focusing on progressing the product. The matter at hand, right, right. It becomes a pro- problem. But that first show, man, um, you know, bless Lily's heart because all he ever wanted to do, he always wanted to be the boss, right? And as being the boss, he had the power to hire anybody he wanted. But the first people he wanted to hire were the people that were his friends, that he cared for the most. Right. Probably not the best decision as a businessman. Well, he was thinking he was thinking with this, yeah. not with this. That was a problem. Exactly. So there was no promotion for that show. It was the bingo crew from his mom's church that came through. And because they weren't really wrestling fans, they were basically doing his mom a favor. There was no response during the show. And now right. this is the inaugural show where we're crowning new champions. So you got the asses and seats, but you have no reaction. Right. No react. Nobody popping. So I'm okay. just like, all right, well, wouldn't that be the um wouldn't, wouldn't that be the, the responsibility of the wrestlers in the ring? Psychology, work the crowd, yell right. at them, stomp your feet. Come on, you got something. Get them going, get some reaction get going. out of them. Well, that's, sure. that's how the fans were back in Saudi Arabia. They didn't know what to do. They had no clue. WWE went there. They were just like this. Uh-huh. Having full conversations, looking at their cell phones. Meanwhile, there's a big fucking match going on, and no one mm-hmm. gave a shit. Right. But you're right. You got to work the gimmick. You got to interact with the fans, get the clapping going, do what you got to do. Something. But if you have a, a gospel church there, I mean... I don't know. It was hard. It was hard, man. It it was so bad that during intermission, you remember uh, Kid USA? Sure, Armand. He was one of my trainers with uh, Johnny Rods at Gleason. Fi- yeah, I figured you. you he popped you guys the Johnny. <laughs> I think they used to call him Kid Onion or something like that. Oh my god! Yo, but actually, my... I have him right up. I don't know if you can see up there. Oh, got... <laughs> cut off. I got a, I got my Johnny Rods figure there. I, I I said to him, I said, Yo, Poppy, you better sign that shit. I want to be famous like you. Yo, you know, yo, he had the like Mickey Mouse hands. Like he was a built guy, but when he touched his hands, he felt like fucking balloons. I don't know. Yes, what the, yes. You know what I'm talking about. Right? Yes, I know exactly. Good guy though. Um, but because he was Kid USA, he was probably the oldest kid I ever seen. He was probably in his 40s and still calling himself Kid. I know. But we we ended up. Um, he was in the main event to crown the champion, and he and I had worked together on dozens of fucking indie shows before. And I was like, hey man, listen, for the main event, we're crowning a champ. Why don't you and I work together? Because I was doing commentary. I said, why don't you and I work together in building up this crowd, drawing some heat and getting a reaction so that when Get we crowd reaction, champion, right, right, right. Yeah, there's some kind of like, oh, shit, I can't believe this happened. I honestly don't even remember who became champion that night. I think it was a heel. Might have been smoke for all I know. Um, so I said, all right, listen, during this gauntlet match, I'm going to run in, grab the belt and start taunting you the whole time. Then I'm going to crack you in the head with the belt to work that into the finish. And then, you know, that, that'll be your elimination. He's like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Main event time comes around. Me and Armand do our bit. I go in there. I fucking crack him in the head. I do all this other shit. Apparently, that's not what Billy had in mind. Billy had oh, other plans. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So Swerve. you know how Billy blows up. Yep. At the end of the night, everything went. The referee's yelling, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to get a fucking reaction out this crowd for our main event. I was in the wrong. All right. I should have run it by instead of going to the wrestlers and say, hey, let's go into business for ourselves. Which right, we right, work for right. ourselves, it's for the crowd. Billy has a fucking show's over. He has a, he blows up in the locker room and he's like, What the fuck? How could you how do you ruin my main event? I was like, You got more reaction with my fuck up than you have for the entire show. I exactly. apologize. Sometimes a fuck up that fl- can flow really well. 
I should have yeah. gotten permission though. I figured, oh, hey, no. let, I'll ask for forgiveness. Fuck permission, right? But, you but I was in the trials and tribulations. I was in the wrong. He chewed my ass out in that locker room. Like, wow. And I deserved it. You fucked up. Yeah, of course. Then he tried to pay me off. And I was like, dude, you know what? I didn't earn my money tonight. If I fucked up and you're mad, you're not happy with my performance. I can't accept your money because I didn't do what you paid me to do. I make it up to you. Right. So I refused. He was like, no, take the money. I said, Billy, I'm not taking that fucking money. And for the exact reason why I said why. Packed my bags, left. Billy and I didn't speak for, I want to say, two years. Wow, that long. And, and again, there was no internet. There was no social media. It was just cell phones. You know. We so didn't let me cross- just backtrack you for a second now. Uh-huh. You and Armand's in the main event. It's a gauntlet mm-hmm. match to crown the first champion. Right. It's Kid USA Armand versus who? I want to say Smoke was in there. I don't know if Sinister X was there. I honestly okay. I can't remember. Literally a so, bunch of J Brones. And Kid USA he he wound up going over and he he was the first champ. No, no, he he didn't win. He didn't win, but he had to be eliminated. So I said, oh, Hey, this is what I'm gonna do to start the elimination. Okay, that's what I saw, okay so the elimination right. was gonna be the was gonna be the crack with the title on the head. Right. I think it's I think it's it's as perfect, it's a perfect way to do it, and it'll get the crowd going. Right. What I did was I said, hey, Armand, when you come out, stop by the table, talk shit to me. Well, I'll talk shit to you. You come to me, tell me, shut up, mush me back in my seat. Antagonize me. Right. right, right, Then then I'm going to take the headset off. I'm going to troll the ring and make sure that you don't win the fucking title. And then at some point, I'm going to grab the title, taunt you with it. When the ref's not looking, I'm going to hit you with the title. You get counted out. That's your elimination. You'll blame me for it. We'll deal with it later. Again, not part of the plans. Right. I fucked up. I admit that. And, and, and I, I did what I think anybody in the wrestling business should do. Say, hey, if I don't do my job, I, I didn't earn my pay. So why didn't you run it by him to begin with? Like, it was just, I know it was like a off the cuff like that. But what made you not say anything to Billy? Just you wanted to surprise him. You thought it was like going to be magic. Like, talk to me. Uh, like, what happened with that? A part of me figured, I mean, he had to know that, that there was no reaction all night. And I at least thought that maybe he'd noticed, hey, man. I'm taking an interest here in helping your company. This is your main event. I'm trying to get a reaction. I'm trying, trying to live the crowd. I ran around, started talking shit to everybody, all 17 people that was there. Right. Let me improvise. Let me do something. Exactly. Throwing shit at me. Right. Do something so that that way it looked better on tape. But again, I I didn't go to him. I I, maybe maybe a part of me, maybe his ego. Maybe I want to be the hero that night and 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 save the fucking show. And it was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Listen, we all make mistakes. I mean, not to go off the cuff, but real quick, the solution was in a tag match one night mm-hmm. with, I think, um, America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing on the sidelines. John Chain's yelling something at me. I yell back, and I kind of like, not that I stole the thunder, but I kind of got involved a little too much than I should have. Yeah. So when we got to the back, he kind of pulled me to the back, put his hand on my shoulder. He says, listen, dude, next time, this is what you need to do. This is what you don't need to do. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I felt bad because, hey, listen, this is how we learn. This is how we progress in the business. Yeah. So right. we've all gone into business for ourselves, whether we meant to or not. Mm-hmm. So it was a learning curve. Yeah. I, the, the, the difference was I was a part of the show. Right. So I was, but I wasn't a part of the match. I was just so, a security dude. Oh, that, that's what I'm here. So I can understand. Bound, so. <laughs> You know, I got to say a job like, yo, pop, dude, you like, know? you're not even in the story. Like, what the fuck's going on here? But, um, but yeah, me, me and Billy, I want to say that, that that match happened late 2001. We didn't speak again until 2004. I mean, I'm bullshit. I'm, I'm saying it was 2002. I didn't speak to him until 2004. So it's two years. Um, so shout out to Tommy Fierro. 
Tommy Fierro is doing big things right now. He's doing his virtual sightings with, with 80s wrestling. Um, so make sure you check yes, him out. I know Tom. Yeah, I don't know him personally, but I know who you're talking yeah. about now. Yes, me, yes. dude, I, I did a bunch of shows on, on Tommy's shows when he used to run. I think it was ISPW, Independent Superstars of Professional Wrestling. Worked with Tommy a lot way back in the day. I'm glad that I was able to catch up with him now. And he's doing phenomenal stuff. He's going to be opening up a brand new shop in New Jersey, a wrestling collector store. So make sure oh, you man. check him out. If it's in Jersey, uh, I'll definitely check it out. Oh, yeah, man, definitely. I mean, you're closer than I am. That's a little bit of a commute for me. So, yeah, <laughs> but, Just a little um, bit. But if you're ever in the area, man, you better drop down over here. Don't be a stranger in Staten Island. You know how it is, man. So you remember that hotel where we used to keep all the um, the wrestlers? Yes, the Marriott, right? The, uh, yeah. I don't think it was a Marriott. We did the signings in Long Island. Hang on. No, no. The the hotel in Jersey you're talking about. Yeah. I think it might have been a Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. Yes. Yes. Okay. It was the one that had the club downstairs, the nightclub, which is another story that we'll get to later. Um, So so Tommy Fierro used to run conventions back then. And um, he'd bring – yo. I mean, like he does now. He was actually running those conventions prior to COVID. And doing like old school 80s theme, um, what do you call it? So I know he did one for WrestleMania 1, one for WrestleMania 2, was trying to bring talent in. Now he's doing virtual signings. But back in the um, early 2000s, he was doing these big conventions in that hotel in their ballroom. So I was like, fuck it, let me go. Let me make some contacts. I had just finished working, uh, doing some stuff for Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was working with WWE at the time, and he had an idea for Piper Vision. So we were talking about it, and I was going to produce a bunch of stuff. I have some content that nobody's ever seen from Roddy Piper. Um, I'll probably end up putting that out on YouTube. I'd like soon. to check that out one day. That sounds <laughs> yeah. pretty cool. As a matter of fact, um, I'm going to see what I can do. Maybe sometime this week I could put on the video intro, which is really choppy and, and, and slow, but it was the video intro that um, we were going to do to start Piper Vision. Um, so I was doing some work with Roddy at the time and I was like, well, let me go check out this thing. And maybe I can make some more contacts. Um, I was a friend of, of sensational Sherry. So she was going to be at the show and I was going to go check her out. A couple of other people who has a table there, Billy Firehawk in the CSWF. And I was like, you know what, man, too and much time is right in the front of the table getting signed. Dude, it was a fucking <laughs> big ass 16 foot table. I was like, and he was, dude, he's not even selling merch. He's not selling merch. He just has a table with CSWF with all the belts lined up. And, and the He's flyer that's like getting autographs. Right. It was like, check out our website. That's it. I'm like, dude, you paid for a fucking table. You didn't even bring talent in to sign to try. All right. Lo and behold, I see him from a distance and I'm like, you know what, man? We stopped talking because over some bullshit. Let me go put, let me go see what's going on. Let me just go say hi, bury the fucking hatchet. Hopefully he's not mad at me anymore. Dude, I walk up to the table. I walk up to the fucking table. And you know, you know how Billy overreacts with everything, right? Right. Billy fucking pushes the table, gets up, walks around the table. I'm like, this motherfucker still pissed at me. Gave me the biggest bear hug I could ever fucking make. He was like, dude, where the fuck have you been? I missed you. And I was like, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm over here thinking you're hot at me over the first fucking show. He goes, fuck that show, dude. We're doing so many other things right now. I want you to be a part of it. I was like, I'm not fucking up any more shows for you, Billy. He I goes, can picture no, no. Billy actually pushing that table forward the way you just explained it. I had it in my head. I just, I, I can just picture it. Because, you know, Billy, Billy sits there like this and his gut is hanging on the fucking table. So in order for him to get up, he's got to shove the table. Hands to push the table forward. Just, it's, all, right. it's all gut. And then he comes wobbling over. Doom, <laughs> doom, 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 doom. And I'm like, ah, fuck. I'm like, he's going to start talking some shit. We're going to have words. Dude, he gave me the biggest fucking hug. Like, just gripped me. Like, he hadn't seen me. Well, he hadn't seen me for years. And he was like, where the fuck have you been? Why didn't you right, call right. me anymore? And I was like, dude, you were so mad. I ruined your show. And he's like, fuck that, man. We're doing so many big things right now. And he tells me that that he's booking a shitload of TNA talent on the shows. How many people are you drawing? Twenty to fifty. <laughs> I'm like, 
Are you so advertising this talent? I mean, it's all yeah, back to I, advertising, especially if you have the TNA talent. At the time, TNA wrestling was pretty good. You know, this is well, well they were working the, the asylum then. Yeah. Yeah, they were doing the weekly pay per views, and, and you know, the names are coming up. Now, I used they to watch that in my hot box. <laughs> The old school, remember the black, the black Gerald box with the red LED? Yeah. That little black box plugged into the bigger black box. Yep. And you, you hit the red box for it. It paid for itself. That's right. I had for like 10 years. Analog was a beautiful thing back in the day. It was a cool thing. So Billy, Billy did a, a power bomb with the table with his belly, hugged you, embraced you, and welcomed you back to the cyberspace family. Well, it wasn't that easy. So this was, um, Take me through it. this was in April of 2004. And he had a show coming up a week later. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, so where are you advertising the show, Billy? Because <laughs> you got this fucking big ass table. I don't right, see I don't anything see no, here saying no you papers, got a show. I don't see no uh, eight by tens. What's going on? Yeah. He's like, oh, so it's at the Wayne PAL, a couple of, you know, about a few miles away from here. And I was like, how do they know about this? That's where I need your help. I was like, that's where you need my help. <laughs> Promotional work. So I'm like, all right, look, Billy, I'll, I'll be more than happy to help out. Do what I can. I'll do the diehard gimmick and all that other shit. Um, he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll put you on, on, on a future show because this show's already booked up. I was like, that's cool. No problem. He goes, I want to introduce you to my booker, Dave Levy. He was there with his wife, Gina. Enter um, Dave Levy. Yeah. So I was like, hey, Dave, how you doing? He was like, oh, oh good, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm the booker. I was like, all right, cool, man. You're, you're the booker. <laughs> and then Gina was there. And apparently she did the marketing. He's I didn't right. want to say why aren't you marketing right now? But I was just like, Hey man, good to meet you. Um, I was just talking to Billy. He wanted me to get involved. Maybe we could talk, talk about doing some stuff to get more people to the shows and, and bigger brand awareness and things like that. Um, so I talked to Billy. I'm like, Hey Billy, so what exactly do you have going on in the show? Do you need help with anything? He goes, um, I'm having a problem right now with WWE. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, because I'm, I'm supposed to have this match with Ron, the truth killings and Al Snow, and the, the, the show is next week. And so they were in the contract still at the time? What's that? They were in the contract with WWE still? I mean, Al Snow. Kind of was. Al Snow, okay. Al, Al Snow and, and Ron Killings, who I want to say was champion of, of TNA. I think he was NWA champion. NWA champion, right, right. Right, so, he, so they waited a week before the show, two weeks before the show, and he's trying to fight the whole thing. He's like, dude, look, it's an indie show. Nobody's going to see it. Just let the fucking match happen. He's not even one of your top tier talents. What's the problem? They were going back and forth, back and forth. Meanwhile, it goes down to the wire. He goes, I'm having a problem. I don't think they're going to let me put that, that match on. That's, that's my big attraction. I said, well, Roddy Piper's still in town. What if I brought Roddy with me? And, and Roddy can't wrestle, but maybe we can do a Piper's pit. So he goes, oh, tell me more. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. So we sit down there for a minute. And Dave Levy's like, <laughs> and I'm like, right, right. I can only imagine I'm not, I'm not changing your fucking plans, but you're already losing your match anyway. Let, let me throw some ideas here. I right. said, look, why don't we just do, why don't we change the match? We, we say some shit that, that, um, you know, the powers that be won't allow this match to happen. So we're going to have to reshuffle the card. It is subject to change. But um, if you really want to see that match, we're going to do you one better. Al Snow will still be there. Ron Killings will still be there. Roddy Roddy Piper will be there doing a Piper's pit with one of these talents discussing so the be guests in Piper's pit, like a Piper's pit instead of wrestling. Okay. Right. So we, they ended up doing, um, I want to say it was Ron killings against Sinister X and then Al snow against Julio De Niro. And, um, Piper did. What did, are the strings? Yeah. Well, <laughs> dude, wait, I got a story on. for that. That'll really make it. Laugh yeah. We're going to have fun. With that. 
<laughs> so Piper was doing the, the Piper spit with Al Snow, and they were going to talk about it. Mike Tenay would come in and be like, nah, that's it. You're a WWE guy, and we can't allow this to happen. We made it seem like it was our decision. Right. Clean the mess up. Things happen with Piper. We'll talk about that when we get to the show. Billy's like, man, I would fucking love that. We'll set everything up. Fantastic. Just let me know what Piper needs. I call Roddy. I'm like, hey, Roddy, got a gig for you. Give me a good price. It's a last minute thing. You're not doing it in wrestling. You know, if you want to sign games, let me know. Let's, let's fucking make this happen. He says, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Day of the show comes. I'm thinking in my head, I'm only a spectator there. Roddy's nowhere to be found. I'm like, oh, jeez. Right. We send a car for him. Car's like, he hasn't come down yet. Show's about to start. Roddy's not in the building. Fucking Roddy. I told him, I was like, look, your, your portion, your segment is going to be at a certain time. It's probably going to be right after intermission. So Roddy figures, oh, so I don't have to get there to the begin the show. Plus, I'm not going to have a gimmick table. So why the fuck would I just hang around a locker room? I'll just go there, do my business and get the fuck out. Not what I told Roddy to do, but that's what he did. That's what he did. He 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 went to business for himself. Went to business for himself. R- R- Roddy came in like boy, I'm shocked. Two matches uh, before he was supposed to go on. He came in like two matches before the intermission. Said, "Okay, what do you need? Boom, 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 boom. Sounds good. All right, great. Goes out to the Piper's Pit. After the Piper's Pit, choom, takes off. Like what Man. the fuck, Roddy? <laughs> exactly. What am I paying you for, bro? You fucking like, hightail it out of here. What the hell? I'm like. Okay. <laughs> So I call around. I'm like, Roddy, what the fuck are you doing? He goes, what happened? What happened? I was like, you fucking left. That's what happened. He goes, well, that's how we used to do it back in the day. You go to the promoter. You take the money and you run before things change. I was like, but you had the fucking money. And we didn't talk. And you didn't fucking even meet the promoter barely. And he and just like, like took the hell off. He just took off like a shot. So I'm just like, oh, my God. And I'm going to have heat with Firehook. He wasn't mad, though. Because on <laughs> that show, they right. hadn't sold any tickets. But the minute they announced Roddy Piper... They had over 50 people there. People came out of the woodwork. Oh, shit. People came out like, what? Roddy Gotta Piper. Be... Right. Yeah. Now, they were pissed off, too, because they, they thought they were going to get a meet and greet with Piper, 8x10s, photo opportunity. But no, they got saw, the shaft. Right. You saw Roddy <laughs> in the flesh. That was about as good as it got. Thank you for the pay. I'm out of here. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God. This is a fucking mess, right? Now, aside from that, we're building up to our next big show. And I, and I got to, again, this is over 15 years ago, so I'm, I'm trying to remember how how the events took place yeah, when I started. Take, take, take me to the event. Take me to the card. Yeah, Who's man. on so, the card? How did you promote it? Well, so so I'm I'm talking. So the show's over. I'm talking to fucking to um to Billy. I'm like, hey man, look, it would have been. It's great that we had Roddy. I'm glad that great that I had a jump. But imagine if we could have announced Roddy's name months earlier in advance. Yeah. Think of all the pre-sales we would have had. Think of all the advertising. Like we could have done so many things. I probably could have gotten Roddy to shoot some videos. We could have put it online, promoting the event, hype it up exactly. Right. Now, yeah. Keep in mind, this is 2004. There's no, there's barely a, as a matter of fact, there is no Facebook. There's no, this YouTube was just space. Yeah, there's this shit. There's <laughs> garbage out there. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I, we could have done something bigger. So he says, well, what do you have in mind? Let's go out to dinner. We'll talk about it. We end up going to dinner. We have a chit chat. I'm like, look, for your next show, why don't we bring in somebody big and then we can, we, or, or why don't we build up? I said, do you have a WrestleMania event? Put it that way. Do you have something that we can build up starting the next show and lead into that big event? He goes, I really don't have anything. We got this thing called Super Brawl, uh, Super Brawl uh, but that's not until the following March. It's only April. I was like, so what do you do like for the summer? He goes, I don't know. The next show is called Independence Day. It's like, okay. I said, and then what do you have after that one? He goes, I just have a show. I don't know. I said, well, why don't we make the summertime because we're cyberspace. We make it like a summer sizzler, kind of like our summer slam. Um, we'll call it Cybercade. 
He goes, oh, I like that. I like that. I said, yeah, why, why don't we use Independence Day to build up the Cybercade and, and, and just push that whole fucking thing and we have enough time where we can get people can build the hook yeah. and build to that. Even, even if the June show doesn't do too good, we're building towards that August show and they got to fucking be there. To the biggest show, right, right. Right. So Set up like, for the right. next event, of course. Like, what did you have in mind? And I was like, all right. Um, I said, I can call DDP. And he's all, he'll only wrestle for a handful of people. And luckily, I'm, one, I'm in that handful. So I just got to, what do you call it? I, I just got to set this fucking thing up. He was like, all right, all right. Well, let, let, let's, um, as a matter of fact, bullshit. We said that beforehand. We said that on, on this show. <laughs> Here's what happened. The April show, my first show there, April of okay. 2004. I had already had the dinner meeting with, what do you call it? And I said, well, you know, if we had the time to build up Roddy, we'd have more people. Why don't we build up towards, what do you call it? This is where I got the heat with Levy. Because I ended up not necessarily booking the next show, but I booked the main event for the next two shows. So at the end of the show, I had already had Diamond Dallas Page's commitment in April for okay. August. And he was just like, um, I'm, I'm only willing to, he's only willing to wrestle for a handful of promoters, but he's only willing to wrestle in the ring with a handful of people. He has some sort of injury. He was like, yeah, dude, like I'm not going in with some young kids. I'll wrestle with Kevin Nash. I'll wrestle with Eric Watts. I'll wrestle with Chris Canyon. People he knows, um, he can trust them. Right, just a couple of people. Right, right. Those are the only people that I'll get in the ring with. I was like, cool, no problem. We'll do it that way. So I already had Paige's commitment. Within a week's time, Roddy Piper and Diamond Dallas Page. We couldn't announce Diamond Dallas Page, though. I said, look, let's build it up as a story. You're cyberspace, right? Let's fucking give them something to chew on and want more and want more and, and build this thing up. Exactly. So at the end of that show, we had Julio De Niro come out in a hood and he fucking put the diamond cutter on Ron Killings. To That's make people obviously think that it's DDP right. doing it. Little, right. You know, so he gives him to talk about. Yeah, end yeah. of the match, he fucking hits him with a diamond cutter with, with a black hood on then does this shit with the diamond cutter, boom, and leaves the thing. And everybody's like, oh shit, oh shit, that was Diamond Dallas Page. It wasn't Diamond Dallas Page, it was fucking Julio De Niro. <laughs> so we exactly, advertise. Gives him the talk. Right, so we advertise right. Independence Day that Ron Killens demands that that cyberspace um, officials declare Darkbird, which was the name he was going by, the number one contender so he can extract revenge against him for attacking him at the end of the show. Right. Got in contact with Chris Canyon. Chris Canyon says, yeah, I'll fucking do it. So he comes out, does the whole DDP gimmick with the fucking hood on. He's going to have the one-on-one -on -one match, but it's not against Ron Killings because Ron Killings missed his flight. It's going to be against... So now the title's vacant. Never fails. Right. Our main event is fucked. Ron Killings misses flight. Title's vacant. So it's now Dark Bird against the original number one contender, Slick Wagner Brown. SWB. Goes, I remember him very still, well. still pretty good. Still a good match. Fucking Chris Candy comes in with the hood, does a diamond cutter thing. People waiting. He goes, pulls off the mask. Wow. It's Chris Canyon. Everybody's like, fuck. Yo, dude, the heat that night was ridiculous. They were expecting Paige, but they got Canyon, right? Dave Levy's hot. Who the fuck is this guy? Why does he come in here? He's all right. And I was like, look how many people we got here. Because they thought it was going to be Diamond Dallas Page. Exactly. Swerve, man. Right. He's getting fucking livid. Meanwhile, I didn't touch the rest of the show. All I did was I booked Roddy. We set up the Blackbird gimmick. Right, right. I already had Page and Canyon locked in for the next event. Levy's fucking hot. The June show, he will not talk to me whatsoever. Because he's still, he's still, he's still the head booker at the time. He's still the booker, right? And I'm not trying to step on any fucking toes, but he won't talk to me at all. I'm like, all right, cool. Right. Look, I'm I, all I try to do to help Billy was make this fucking main event pop. 
So Build that way, the product, make it pop, and get people right. talking. And you, you did just that. Right. I'm, I'm only I mean, working on one match. That's you why he was pissed, man. It's jealousy, bro. That's that's and that's all I was saying. You have the whole card to impress these people to want to buy tickets. I'm just doing the, 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 the attraction, right? Yeah, the exactly. featured attraction. That's exactly. all I'm doing, and I, I'm doing it at Billy's request, not to step on your toes. My other job was just going out back there and filming the the, uh, the vignettes, the promos, which right. I ended up doing later on when I took everything over. That night, I had already met Paige in Manhattan a week before. Paige was already he was doing he was, uh, meeting with some people for DDP Yoga. And he was like, look, I'm going to be in Manhattan. Let's film this video. We'll put it out on the internet, on YouTube, where he's talking shit to Canyon, right? And I said, no, I got a better idea, Paige. Why don't we do this for the finish of this match? Why don't you come on and say, hey, monkey boy, you out there telling these people trying to, be, That's right. trying to be, you think you think you're Diamond Dallas Page? You're going out there, you fucking, you're swerving. Stealing my, stealing my gimmick, on. stealing my finisher. Right. Exactly. You're over here stealing my gimmick. You, you, you're raising their hopes up only just to let them down. Well, how about this, motherfucker? Right. In August, you and me, I'll you come to me. cyberspace and you and me. So meanwhile, at Independence Day, it's Canyon and Slick Wagner Brown. During that match, I pull out a fucking TV cart with a VCR and I prop it right by the, the, um, the color commentator section. And at my cue, I hit the play button and Canyon's about to go for the big finish. You hear, hey, monkey boy. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Fuck? He turns That's around, awesome. sees the TV. He goes, I see you go out there. It does a whole fucking promo. And Kenny's like, what? What? Diamond Dallas Page is coming to cyberspace. Right, right. Slick Wagner Brown hits him with the thing. Boom. New champion, right? Awesome. Place went fucking crazy. People coming to Billy. Where can I get tickets? Is Diamond Dallas Page really coming? I need to get tickets now. That's Dude, all it takes, bro. The bit fucking of pre sales was yeah. ridiculous. And you know who was pissed off? Dave Lee. Dave Lee. Oh, the fuck. I was like, so come August, Billy's like, hey, we need to have dinner. Let's sit down. I want you and Dave to work this fucking thing out. Because I love what you're doing. You're making a difference for the company. And I want you guys to work together. I was like, I got no problem working. I can understand he's pissed off at me, but let's, let's bury the fucking hatchet. Let's move forward and build right. business. Try to be a team. Dave shook my hand at the table. He was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I can do this. Uh, whatever. But didn't want to. Now, then, even by even as a, as a bystander, when I when I got to uh, cyberspace, you know, as he was on his way out, yeah. you can see the tension and the animosity. And it was all over his face. I, you could just see it. Dude, I mean, in reality, when you're looking at it as a third party, yeah, I took his spot. It is what it is. I fucking came in. You weren't doing the job. They found somebody who could do the job better and be more effective. I'm not patting myself on the back. It's just a fucking better. Fact. Exactly. I mean, what happened? You were doing the fucking job. You, were, you did what he couldn't do. He was booking himself in situations. They were booking the, the all of the, what do you call it? All, all of the clones. Well, he was still, with that test clone. I forgot the guy's name. He wrestled for him. Oh, Mason w- Reed? Mason Rage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he was like his manager, I guess, whatever. And then as JD Dreamer, he would wrestle a little bit. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're going to be the booker, you really can't go into business for yourself if you're writing it because, it, you know, it's, it's going to be shit. But the thing if, is, if I you mean, write or you wrestle. When, when you're booking all your friends or you're making promises and, and you're putting on guys, let me just say this. I did not follow the indies at all. I didn't know a Josh Daniels. I didn't know a Slick Wagner Brown. I didn't know any of these fuckers i bro i barely knew the tna talent right we, we grew up brooklyn guys wwf guys since yeah the 70s. man and the only time i actually read about the indies or other companies was pro wrestling illustrated monthly inside wrestling the wrestler you know i'd use my mm-hmm. my allowance whatever it was yeah get these magazines i'd read i said oh who's this who's that 
And then I would like visualize the matches in my mind to see how it would play out. But now, thank God, with the network, you can watch it all. But back right. in those days, we just knew WWF. That's all we knew. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who Josh Daniels was, I'll be honest with you. Slick Wagner Brown. Everybody else until I got to cyberspace. Yeah. And then I actually grew my education with the indies thanks to cyberspace. Right. And I'm still pretty, you know, pretty hip to the scene, but not like I was back then. And dude, the indies have changed so much. I mean, from where I started in the business where it was just a little spot show here and you would get Nikolai Volkov against Jimmy Snooker or something like that to what cyberspace was bringing in to what it's become today. It's become right. the, the farm systems for all the major federations. And all I was doing, my only intention was to help my friend get his company off the ground. Get off the ground, right, right. Get more people through the door. Get them talking in a positive light as opposed to, oh, these fucking clones and this, that, and there's no consistency. And who are these guys? Little kids were being bored by the wrestlers in the ring. That's got to tell you something. Now, if a little kid's going to be bored, imagine someone, you know, at the 18 demographic to 49. Right. What they're going to think. I mean, and, yeah. and, and, dude, there was no continuity. There was just no cohesion at all. In what Dave was doing. Now, let me just say, Dave's not a bad guy. No, no, I'm not, not at saying all. That I mean, as a person, a, he was a cool guy, but there's no consistency with the booking. Right. This is just uh, strictly business. And and yeah. yeah, so I came in and I took the spot. So right. it wasn't my intention. I was asked to. Billy was like, look, there's a big difference in the crowd. There's a big difference in in um, the storytelling in, in how we build to these other shows, there's a big difference in the profit, which we were losing money. We were still like losing money. money. The, exactly. The profit, were still, the people in the stands. I mean, right. you can see it clearly. It, it was, you know, we weren't at, at a bottom red, but we we're in the middle red now. But you can see that there's growth and we continue in a certain trend right. that so we'll get into the, the black at some point. Yeah. Exactly. Dave was just more about who the Going fuck is this guy? He took my here. spot. Fuck him. I refuse right. to Well, that was, the, that was his mentality. He was trying to go into business for himself, like you said earlier, trying to help his buddies out. But as you know, that shit's not going to fly because you have to be a businessman at the end of the day and give the crowd what they want, not what you want. And the thing is, man, it's like I've always had a business mentality. I'm like, if we're not doing this for business, that we're doing it as a hobby. For the most part, CSWF was Billy's hobby. Right. That was his that was his fantasy. He's fantasy booker. He's fantasy champion. He's the boss that gives everybody a job. Oh, you want to work for me? Absolutely. I got a spot for you. Here's some money. Here's some money. He was fucking Oprah of the Indies, basically. No, no, I was just gonna say he was a kid at heart and he just loved the business so much. But as we said earlier, not to touch on it again, but it's so true how Billy, you know, he didn't separate the business end from the fan, being yeah. a fan. Yeah. Being a fan is awesome, but if you're a businessman. You got to be a businessman first and foremost. And that's kind of how things got, got messy later on. And, and we'll yeah. get to that because we're still CSWF. We're not even NWA cyberspace yet. And that's when I think the shit really hit the fan. Um, but, but in this situation here, like I said before, let, let, let me make it clear. And if Dave Levy ever watches this, I have no heat with you, my guy. Zero. All me right. Either. Me I either. never had any intention to disrespect you. I never had any intention to embarrass you i never had any intention to take your spot i was just doing what billy wanted done billy had a vision i was making that vision happen unfortunately you couldn't and and the proof is there the other problem that we were having and i'll be 100 honest with you todd and dave if you're watching 100 honest with you the wrestlers did not respect him that's a fucking problem yeah i have no idea how many phone calls i'll throw names out there matt striker michael shane uh julio de Nero, uh, America's Most Wanted. A lot of those guys wow. did not want. They did not want to give you the time of fucking day. 
they didn't want to deal with him. They looked at him. They were like, yo, whatever. The fuck out of here. He wasn't taken seriously. In one of those shows, I can't remember if it was the April show or if it was the June show. But show, yeah. Long story short, the, the first show that I worked DVDs. in April of 2004 and then Independence Day, one of those two shows, there was a match, in uh, X Division match between Michael Shane or Matt Bentley against Grim Reefer. They started shooting in the ring. They went off really? on each other in the ring. Guys had to come in, break it up. And then oh, shit. now, again, my only position there was I was a consultant, a creative consultant. And I was doing the videos in the back. Okay. Well, I knew something ring. went wrong. No, huh? you gotta tell you gotta tell me what went down in the ring, dude. Yeah. I, all I know, all I know is, is that somebody um, nailed a stiff shot. I want to say uh, Michael Shane hit a stiff shot, or, or Reefer hit a stiff shot, and then one of them, the other one, put him in a chokehold. And then instead of a wrestling match, they just started rolling around the ring. They just started trying... running up in each other, try to calm each other yeah. down. But they were, yeah, it almost looked, out of, it looked out more like character. MMA. It yeah. got sloppy, oh, and I was like, "Fuck!" And everybody noticed it really fast, and they had to run out and. Separate those two. Separate it up and just get going. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I, I want to say they ended up finishing the match, but then we didn't know if the heat was going to spill backstage, but we knew that shit was going wrong in the ring. Yeah. Dave, as the booker, has to control your guys. You have to, when they get backstage, you... We're not, we're not WWE. There's no Undertaker in our locker room. Billy has a heart of gold, but Billy can sometimes be, instead of being William Hawkins, he can become the Firehawk character. Right. And when you can't tell the difference... It's hard to take discipline from a guy like that. Yeah, well, sometimes they, he'd yell in character and sometimes he'd be himself. Right. And it's hard you didn't know to, when to take him seriously. Right, right. Dave I saw that offhand. Yeah. Dave just didn't have the ability to take a hold of a situation as as uh, as a manager, as an authority figure, as somebody saying, Hey, we're the boss here. You need to listen to what the fuck I'm saying. Right. Or make sure that everybody's taken care of, make sure everybody's gotta feels put on safe. your big boy pants, brother. Right. And it was just right. like, oh, shit. Everybody's in the corner. Like, oh, shit. Oh, yo, you see what happened? Yo, that's fucked up. And they whisper in the corners. I'm like, what the fuck? Talk to the talent. Right. First of all, you got two guys in there that may never work for you again because they're going to think you have an unsafe working uh, environment. Three, you got other wrestlers in the back saying, if this is how you handle this situation, what would you hand- What would you do in my situation? Exactly. I don't want to work gonna here. They're going to follow by example, man. They're going to. Yeah. So the first thing I did was I had to go to the back, put the video camera down and speak to them individually. Michael Shane. Everything good. I want to make sure you're clear. You're good. I had to go to him first. He's a TV guy. He's a TNA guy. He can easily go back to Dixie Carter or Bill Behrens or Jeff Jarrett and say, hey, fuck cyberspace. Stop sending talent there. We were booking 10 people at a time. He could easily cut the legs off from. Just bury it. Yeah. Right. Grim Reefer, yeah. we can replace easily. Exactly. Michael He's Shane, a local talent. Yeah. Michael Shane could fuck something up. Mike, are you OK? Is everything all right? What happened? Talk to me. Let me know what happened. Let's smooth this over. Let's fix are you it okay before be- it gets right. 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 Or are you okay being in the same locker room with this? Or is it, are you physically injured? Did you, are you planning on fucking attacking him in the parking lot? Let me talk to you. Let's yeah, we gotta squash this shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let me de-escalate this situation. Go to right, Grim right. Tell me your side of the story. I don't want you to feel like you left out. You were involved in this too. He told me. I spoke to him. You tell me what's going on. Are we okay? Can you share a locker room with this guy? Are we gonna have a problem in the future? I de-escalate the situation because of that incident. And the way I handled that, when I sh- I was just a fucking cameraman, locker room gave me respect. They would start exactly. coming to me and talking to me for certain things. Hey, you took the bull by the horns. You squashed the shit before it got out of hand. Yeah. And that way, not only did, did the shit get squashed, but now in the future, they can come back and hopefully the door will be open for them and that shit won't happen again. But and also, you got your respect. They also know that I have an open door policy. And if something right. needs to be handled, you can come to me. You can sit down like men, discuss this. 
and right. fucking understand, hey, listen, everything's not going to work out your way. Sometimes shit happens, but let's fucking – without communication, everything's lost. You have exactly. to be able to communicate. And I think that was one of Dave's big problems was that he wasn't a, a big communicator. Right. He was one of the boys and, you know – He didn't like confrontation. Yeah, he, he didn't like confrontation. He didn't even want right. to confront with me. He just, exactly. so just gave me a cold shoulder. So if with you, what makes right. you think he's going to go to the boys? Yeah, so it's it, right. If he can't come right. to me and confront me over exactly. whatever beef we have of me taking his spot, how's he going to go handle the situation with a guy who's on TV and a local guy here that just fucking started shooting in the ring with each other? So that's kind of where I earned my stripes there. Right. Um, no, you took the matter into your own hands. You took the bull by the horns and that you proved yourself. Dude, put it this way. By August, Billy had already planned it out. He was doing a war games match, which wasn't a war. It was just a steel cage match with 10 people in it. <laughs> <laughs> and people go in, you know, it, it was well, we didn't, we didn't have ring, room for two rings or three. Right. Rings. Yeah, it was no guys. two rings. It was one cage, <laughs> one ring. The right, fucking right. guys had to go in through the same door. So it's just like, why aren't you just fighting on the outside of the cage in front of the door? You know, one TNA guy would go in, one CSWF guy would go in. It was like, right, all right, right, whatever. The highlight of that spot was Chris Hamrick doing a leg drop off the top of the cage. Yo, he was he was awesome, Chris Hamrick, man. He I mean, was, man. I, I didn't really follow him too much back in the ECW days, mm -hmm. but when I watched him in cyberspace. That dude was off the hook, man. He was great. Yeah, man. He Solid. was. He Solid was. performer. Unfortunately, yeah. his gear doesn't go over now with a Confederate flag. No, like, no. Now <laughs> now things have been, uh, you know, there might hey, be man, something it, to say about that now. He was a product of his time, man. He was a good guy, though. I, I yeah. wish we could have done more with him, but that's something I definitely want to cover is um, some people that, that, that I, I may have not given all the attention that they should have gotten. And there's a there's a long list, so don't worry. I'm I'm gonna shout everybody out and, and give my apologies and give my reasons why. But um, get, getting back to that situation in in, in August, Billy yeah. had already built up to that cybercade thing. Chris Canyon and Diamond Dallas Page was just a feature attraction. It wasn't part of the storyline, with the exception right. of Chris Canyon being involved in that championship match to set up the feature attraction. But whatever happened in the outcome of that match didn't impact the rest of the storytelling that Billy was trying to tell in gotcha. CSWF. Okay. Um, but he had booked up until there, and then he had no idea what he was going forward because it was Dave's job. Right. Dave didn't think that far in advance. Dave was only going show by show by show. And I can understand his his um, philosophy for doing that is because, like Ron Killings, we had him booked to wrestle Chris Canyon, and then we had to strip him of the title. Right, now because we, things can change also right, on the fly. But, but, Which but makes I'm, sense. I'm more of a believer of planning ahead. So right. you have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Dude, you have no idea how many times I had to change the, the, the story in the locker room on the fucking fly. Well, we, we had to do that as well in the past. I mean, yeah. we, we had issues when uh, uh, Rodney Mack couldn't make it in and Maven was doing yep. the autograph sign. We had him come in place. So yep. trust me, I, I seen you in action, my man. And, <laughs> you know, spur of the moment, like, dude, you got gear? Here, here's 20 bucks. Get yourself a pair of Adidas pants. Yeah. <laughs> Meet me in the ring. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, Yo. man. When that we'll talk about that. When Maven was like, I, he was trying to get out of it. He really didn't want to do it. I said, "Look, you don't have to wrestle. Just, just I need you to to appear and make it seem like we're building up to another match, which we never even got out of it." Ah, dude, I, I don't even want to get in the ring without gear. I was like, "Here's a hundred dollars. Go fucking buy, buy some pants and buy the Adidas." <laughs> Yo, <dude. laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, man. Short term booking, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't yeah. mean they're gonna have the match in the in the coming month. But you got to do some shit to get it done at that time. Yeah, so, man. I mean, it is yeah. what it is. So, I mean, by that time, um, by August, Billy had already approached me. And, and this is a story that nobody knows and something that may not go over well with a lot of people, including yourself. 2002 um, is this or is this? Uh, this is 2004. 
2004. Okay, I'm already a year in. All right, go ahead. <laughs> oh, boy. Go ahead. Let me this get some support on this. Our, that, was, that was our very first Cybercade. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, main event, feature attraction was DDP against Chris Canyon. Um, Canyon, was was going, Canyon was going through a lot of problems. Yeah. And he was calling me. Too. He was a great talent, man. He was tremendous. He yeah. was going through, through a lot of issues. He was very happy with, with us booking him because nobody else was using him. Um, but look, let's just say what it is. Fucking Canyon was dealing with depression. Canyon was a gay man in a predominantly macho business. Um, yeah. Canyon, once WCW closed, Canyon had trouble finding work, which is insane because... Can you imagine what this guy could have done today in a WWE performance center? Oh my God, he's so talented. He could have been with, such with, a great hand helping out. Yeah, man, with the way the world's progressing with transgenders and, and gays and, and the equality that's out there, like he could have been an advocate for that. The same way, um, Darren, it was a Darren Young. Darren Young, yeah, yeah, from man. Texas. Yep. So, so, so many guys out there, and it's just a shame that you know he was. I'm a, not a, saying this. He referred to himself as the Black John Cena. If you look at his that? face, Darren, Darren Young. Oh, he did. <laughs> He called himself because one one time my nephew said to me, oh, he looks like John Cena. Uh, and within a week or two, the guy's on TV and he referred to himself as a black. John not, Cena. not that someone called him that he referred to himself as the black John Cena. And I left. Yeah, man. But yeah, but it's, another classic example. I mean, you know, the guy's openly gay. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You're a talent. That's all I care right. about. You know, take my money. I want to watch you wrestle. I don't care what you do in your spare time. Mm-hmm. Straight, gay, bi, whatever you are. Yeah. It's not my business. Not my problem. Uh-huh. Yeah, I respect you as a wrestler. The, the good thing that, at the, and again, he, I don't think he was out at that time. No, he wasn't. Was 2004. So I, I don't think, I don't think he had uh, come out. I, I think a guy like Paige would have known. That was one of his close buddies. Um, and that's it was one of the main reasons. back then. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. one of the main reasons why I'm sure Paige wanted to work with him. Um, one, because he was safe. He was, he was great in the ring and he was a good friend. He knew the secret. And he wanted to help Chris out. Um, but I was getting calls from Chris. Um, and we do, we had a lot planned out with Chris. We were going, as a matter of fact, um, when uh, when he did that show in June, where he wrestled Slick Wagner Brown, we were building up to the match with him and DDP. We actually shot a vignette backstage. We were going to bring him back after he lost the match to Paige. Bring him back as Mortis. And we oh, did, wow, that's uh, awesome! From did, WCW, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. That so was, a, that I, was so, a great gimmick, man. That was a great character. I, I like Mortis. So this was 2004. I want to say two years prior, give or take two years prior, is when the first Spider-Man movie came out. With right. um, Sam Savage Raimi, Spider with Tobey Maguire was in that. Yeah, yeah. Right, Savage was right. He was Buzzsaw. So yeah, do, you Buzzsaw, remember, right. Buzzsaw do you remember? You remember the? Or something? Yeah, you remember the Green like Goblin? Yes. Uh, William Defoe playing the Green Goblin. So he'd look yes. in the mirror and he'd hear the voices. Mm-hmm. We shot a vignette like that of of uh, Canyon talking into the bathroom mirror. I was like, I can't do it. I don't want to be this guy anymore. And then you hear the voices. We we're going to oh, dub voices okay. over, and yeah, he puts yeah. on the fucking Mortis mask. That's awesome. And so we had all this stuff planned out. Come the August show. Chris is calling me every day. I don't think I can be in this business anymore. This business is spitting me up and, and you know, it's, it's wow. me up and spit me out. He goes, this match with Paige is going to be my, my last match. Um, would it be okay if, if you advertise it as my, as a retirement match It's my retirement match? I say, well, if I advertise as your retirement match, they're going to know that you're going to lose. Why don't we advertise it as the loser must retire? Because Paige really doesn't fucking wrestle that much either. So it can go either way. It can go either way, right? People right. can be wondering who, who the hell's going to retire here. Right. So I told Billy, but it's like, we got to fucking build this up. And we did. It was just, you know, uh, grudge. It was a grudge retirement match, whatever the case was. And then they went, dude. I mean, that fucking place was packed. That might have been the biggest crowd we ever had. Uh, I wish I was there. For, I wasn't That's- with cyberspace yet. 
dude, fucking um, what do you call it? Uh, the, the Wayne PAL was jam packed to see Diamond Dallas Page against Chris Canyon. It was tremendous. That's awesome. I wish I would have been there for that. So Billy w- w- was really happy with the build to that and h- how I told that story with only one match, just the main events. Again, Dave had the bottom card. Billy wanted me to write the whole show. Come as of as of the following show, which would have been in October. And I was like, well, how's that going to go over with Dave? He goes, let me talk to Dave. You know, Billy, let me handle that. Let me discuss it with I'll Dave. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was like, all right, Billy. Well. I was like, look, we shook hands. I know that shit wasn't authentic. I know you don't want to work with me. This is going to make right, things right. a lot worse. I'll right. handle that. You let me deal with Dave. I was like, um, Can we imagine he, how this is going to come out, turn out? <laughs> he, did, he didn't give me 100% creative control at the point. So it was more like I would sit down with Billy and say, okay, who do we have booked on the show and where do you see it going? And then I would be, it's like what they would call in Hollywood, the guy who does the polish job. So somebody writes a script right. and they give it to a professional to polish it up and, it and, up. Right, right. and finish it up. So Billy would say, okay, these are storylines I want to tell. These are, these are the toys we got to play with. Um, Make, make the magic happen so that way it, it looks right and it builds. I was like, all right, cool. So I was working with him. Put the on, ball on, on it. <laughs> so what a lot of people don't know is that in August, right before Cybercade, the first Cybercade, my wife and I were about to go through a divorce. Wow. And we split up and then we got back. Like We knew it was on the rocks and a cybercade she came to the show and all that stuff i thought things would get better by the october show it was fucking done it was really? a wrap our relationship was fucking finished and um billy was the only one there for me and it got so fucking bad for me yeah um again i, I did the october show but i was dude i was going through fucking hell and there's a lot of stories to talk about that show because that's the one cyberspace show that we barely have any footage from. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, but after that show, I got through that fucking show and it was a fucking banger of a show too. I, I can't believe we don't have this. Um, no. But after that, the holidays were coming up and we were taking a little bit of a hiatus. I want to say until uh, January, maybe. It might, it might be January when we did Super Brawl. Let, let, let's say December, January. We're going to do Super okay. Brawl, right? So from October to January. Um, holidays were a bad time. My, my marriage was done. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I had no oh, idea. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, it worked out in the long run. We're still together. So. Obviously, it worked <laughs> out. But at the time I'm talking about, I'm sorry oh, yeah, to hear that. You had to go through that. It, it, but it was, it was so fucking bad that right after Thanksgiving, hmm. Billy called me, and I, I was not in a good place. And um, he was like, you need to get out of that house right now. And he goes, drive to JFK. There's a plane ticket waiting for you at JFK. You're going to spend some time with me in Vegas. Wow. Legit drove to JFK, gave them my name. Ticket was there. I was in Vegas for 10 days. It's a good guy, man. Dude, I'll never, ever. Dude, it chokes me up just saying it because. Sure, I can imagine. That guy was just there for me. I mean, outside of us talking wrestling, um we talk to each other about our families. Yeah. He had a daughter. I had a daughter. We, we talk about being fathers, about growing old together and our daughters growing up and all this other stuff and all the great things we want to do and, and the legacy we want to leave behind. Right. And when my world was crumbling, he was the only fucking person that reached out to me. and was like, 
and I, I want to help. I the way I look at this, maybe I helped him with his baby, CSWF. Right, but in when, return, no, what, man, thank God he was there for you, bro. Right, and and this, he was like, this is how I pay it forward to him. But the fact that Billy was like, literally, he called the fucking airport, put a ticket in my name, that's I hopped awesome. on a plane, and just, that's a real friend, man. Dude, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Um, but Billy what? wanted me to move to Vegas at one time. <laughs> believe it or not, Dude, he tried to get me to go for another too. time. Yeah, he wanted me to come out to Vegas. He was going to buy me a truck to bring all the cyberspace stuff to the shows because we'd rent the vans every month. Yeah. And, you know, I became his official driver. I used to pick him up at the apartment building in Brooklyn. Yeah, man. I don't want no one taking me but Todd. You were one of the few people he trusted, man. Yeah. He trusted me thoroughly with the driving, with the gimmicks, Mm -hmm. booking stuff, because I would book everything on my dime. Yeah. And even though Billy's been known, you know, not for stiffing people, but being, let's just say, cordially late with the checks. He never bounced a check with me, ever. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> never did. I mean, he post-dated it for like a week or two weeks out, but yeah. when I took it to the bank, it wasn't a Spalding bull. It didn't yeah. bounce. It worked. So so paid. this this is the part of the story where nobody really knows, except for one person who tried to expose me. Um, but it was, it was one of those things where I'm, I've never discussed it with anybody. Um, okay. And I'll talk about that exposure later because this is one of those scumbag motherfuckers that I'm going to throw under the bus later. Run I think I know who it is. Um, no, no, not that guy. <laughs> somebody that else. Guy? Okay, Higher someone else. Guy. Another time. Um, but I was the only employee, legit employee of CSWF. Let me, let's call it the real name. D&H Unlimited, which was uh, Daisy and Hawk Unlimited. Billy's original plan was to make it a corporation. Okay. And and he wanted to hire people. So I don't know how much you follow. I, I don't follow him at all. But, uh, you know, the way Ring of Honor and the Major League Wrestling, MLW, the way they do business where they sign talent to contracts. Right. He wanted to sign people to contracts and not necessarily have exclusivity, but have. Um, have the rights. Not, not, not really the rights, but 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 have them be primary saying, hey, okay. I need you for the state. So if you have something else, you got to cancel because you're contracted to me. So we're not going to prevent you from working anywhere else. But. We have you signed for X amount of dates, for X amount of money, and you got a contract here. He wanted to contract people. He wanted to run it like a business. Okay. Um, he had investors, so let's, let's take it a step back. Everybody out there criticizes Billy for how he financed cyberspace. It was it was yeah. always the big a lot of what stories. The fuck, right? What like all the stories. Right. Stories are true though. They're true. Daisy was a dominatrix. Yeah, is what it fucking is, man. I know it is what it is. That's why they lived in Vegas. Yo, she makes bank. I mean, ridiculous money because a lot of high profile Wall Street people, businessmen travel the world just to see Daisy and they spend thousands on her. That's crazy. Now, there's a difference between prostitution and a dominate. She was not a prostitute. Right. She would go there. She specialized in humiliation. Right, right. So she tied people, people up. that crazy shit. Yeah, yeah weird shit. Yeah. She beat the shit out of them. She right. beat them with whips, kicked them. Bo- they literally, he had a huge house in Vegas. And one, I don't know if you've ever seen Fifty Shades of Grey. But no, she had, but I know, I know you're referring she to. She has that. one room like that with chains and whips and things. The, room, the and, room's all set up with all the equipment. Dude, she'd gag people. She'd fuck that never, they never laid a finger on her. Ever. Right, right. She they just, just wanted to the beat shit there. out of them. Yeah. They just wanted to be beat the shit by out of they just wanted her to, Got paid to humiliate. Them. That's crazy. 
and, and, he, and, she, and he used that money to 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 uh, front front the business to book the shows. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, yeah, I, I knew about that, but obviously back in the day, right? You know, that back was like then, a hush hush, kind of like a taboo thing where you right. don't, you, you, know, you don't want to disparage your, anybody's you know, name and course anybody's not. feelings. And especially, and, I considered him also a friend. I'm not going to I'm not going to shit where I eat. You dude, know, it's, it's 2021. You probably right. know a dozen girls right now that have OnlyFans page. Right, and exactly. They're they're not fucking anybody. They're just right. showing their titties and then doing some wild shit. And but they're just to make money. Yeah. They're an entrepreneur, <laughs> man. It's a yeah. fucking business. It is what it is. They're sex workers. Daisy also danced at a couple of clubs. Yeah. Um, but but like the high scale, the fucking cheetah club, the hustler club. Right, I right. mean, where they are celebrities would come in there. And dude, she cleaned the fuck up. Billy was a bouncer at these clubs. So right. he the you know, his wife make sure and then he was always, you know, he'd drive her there, drive her back. That's how they made their money. Can you shame them? It's 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 a legit business. It's 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 honest money. What well, I mean, fuck? hey, I mean to each his own. I mean, you know, right, to each his own. Family guy, I can never you know imagine that at all. But people, right. some people yeah. works. I mean, yeah. you know, if that's what, you know, they're in fucking Vegas. I mean, <laughs> right, he's, he's a big dude. You know, you know, trying his shit and being a it's, bouncer. It's, so it's not Jesus. my lifestyle either, man. It's, it's, it's not I, me and my I mean, wife. But, but I don't, I don't, I don't criticize people. You know, you, nah. you know, you're making money. And the funny thing is, she used that as her gimmick with the foreign exchange. Right, right. Because it was the only thing she knew how to do. She, she had to fucking whip. Yeah, she had she a lot of shit, shit about shows. wrestling. She didn't give a yeah. fuck about wrestling. But Billy sold her on the idea that it's a great way to invest the money into a business so that she doesn't have to dance anymore. Let's build right. this business up so that it starts financing Build it up itself. so you can stop doing that and we can exactly. invest it wisely and then, you know, hopefully enjoy the profits. Right. Meanwhile, yeah. she, she never wanted to give it up because she was making so much money. She's like, I'm going to give this shit up for wrestling? The right. She got, she, got, she got hooked to, to that because she was, that's where she was making the money. And and it, it makes sense. And look, like I said, there, there's no shame in that game. And And how many people were employed or booked on these shows because that, that money was good then when, when they were getting that fucking envelope. And at the, that end envelope night, at the end of the night, that's all they cared right, about. Right. Yeah. That, that money was Absolutely. good. Then nobody gave a fuck where that money came from. But you know, all of a sudden, when you don't get paid, right. right. All that shit, right? Yep, all the TNA people, all, all these fucking people. You know, you um, and I would have meetings and your phone would be blowing up like crazy. Dude, it was nuts. I, I was the first and only employee. And he said, and the reason was because in August, when he told me he wanted me to start writing with him, he was like, I want you to quit your job tomorrow and you're going to work for me. I was like, whoa. I was like, dude, slow the fuck down. Yeah, he would get a little ahead of himself. Yeah, man. man. I, I, I was just like, Billy, I, I can't fucking do that. I was like, right. I got a family. I'm going through some shit with my wife right now. I, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. I got you're, trying to, get, you're, you're trying to squash shit as it is, and you don't want to yeah. like, throw any, any monkey wrenches into the program. Right. Oh, by the way, we're going to Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm already in the process of getting divorced, but I'm like, hey, babe, by the way, I'm quitting my fucking job, and I'm going to go work wrestling full time. And like, on an indie show, not even WWE. <laughs> like on, on an indie show somewhere in the wing PL. I mean, yeah, he, and he and was now, very passionate. That's the thing, you know, and he was very driven and he was a big dreamer. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to be a realist. He's got to be a realist. Now, yeah. now he, here's the part that nobody really knows. Okay. He came to New York so we can meet, we could talk about this and try to convince me to quit my job. I was like, Billy, there's no fucking way I'm doing that. He goes, what would it take? Right. I said, Billy, you can't afford what I'm fucking making right now. He goes, try me. I was like, no. <laughs> He's like, no. Try. We're in a strip club, mind you, in, in, on, on Times Square. I said, Billy, this is what I'm making at my current job. I slipped it to him. He goes, I'll match it. 
I was like, Billy, I, I said, you're not a real fucking business. I'm, I got benefits. I got all these fucking things. He goes, exactly. he goes, I'll add an extra to it. And I was like, and I'm thinking like, fuck, and like, he's really talking about matching this. And I've seen what he brings these people. I said, but that business is doing so fucking bad. It's doing yeah, terrible. That gonna come? I right. Mean, I'm just like, I'm like, nobody comes to these shows. Yeah. I'm like, Billy, how the fuck are you going to do it? Something happened in my job. They were about to, um, I, almost, I pretty much almost got fired for beating the shit out of a manager. Wow. Yeah. So I, I was selling mortgages. I was a loan officer. And um, I was so good at the job that I was training the new hires that came in on how to sell. Right. And one of the people that I was training ended up leaving. She couldn't handle the pressure. <clears throat> and she's like, I can't fucking do this and left. So as her mentor, because I wasn't a manager or anything like that, I had to take on her business and be like, fuck, all right, let me get in contact with all these customers and, and pick up the pieces and say, hey, listen, she's no longer with the company. I'm going to walk you through the process here and getting you clothes and so on and so forth. Um, when I looked at her business, she didn't know what the fuck she was doing. And the loans were all a mess. I had to rebuild every fucking loan to keep you had the to business. fix all of them. I had to fix it because what she was offering, we couldn't offer, or she was right, telling right. them things that weren't true. That was on paper. And I was like, fuck. So I'm on the phone one night. I'm working late. Okay. I'm working in Parsippany, New Jersey. Meanwhile, I live in Brooklyn, New right, York. Okay. You're so trying I, to fix I'm, all this mess. I'm on the phone. I'm like, I tell mm. my manager, like, yo, listen, I'm going to be here to about 10, 11 o'clock. I got to call the West coast too. And I got to fix these loans that, that she destroyed. All right, cool. Whatever. I'm one of the only people in the fucking office. I'm walking around. I've got the headset on. I'm walking around talking to this guy, trying to fix the loan, all this other stuff. Manager comes over. And I'm thinking he's like, hey, if you need me to come on, doesn't say this. I'm thinking if you need me to come on, talk to a manager, I can smooth it over. And then you, well, you can get to the next help line. you out. Right, right. So he goes, he knocks on my fucking desk. He goes, what's going on? Because I'm like talking loud. The person's yelling at me because she promised him something that I can't keep that promise, but I'm trying to restructure the loan for him. And I'm like, sir, you have to understand. Here's what we're going to do. Here's why it works out. This is the other thing. Manager comes over, a little piece of shit named David Taramina. I got a thing with Dave's. For some reason, they don't work with me. <laughs> he knocks on my fucking cube and he goes, what's going on? It's the, it's the name, man. Yeah. And I'm like, he says, what's going on? I said, Jolene fucked up all these loans. Right. I'm trying to do it. He's not comfortable with, with what I'm with the counter off and I'm pitching him. He goes, right. Ask him if he's wearing jogging pants. I said, what? Meanwhile, I'm on the phone with this fucking guy. And I'm right, like, right, what? Right. He goes, ask him if he's wearing jogging pants. I'm like, why? He goes, he might be more comfortable with it if he's wearing jogging pants. Dude, I fucking turned beat. Yeah, it's funny oh now. Oh, my God. It's funny now. But at the time, you know, I'd be like, oh, what the fuck? I turned beat. I said, get the fuck out of here before I hit you with this phone. Right? <laughs> so I end, up, I end up saving the fucking deal. And I'm looking for him. He takes off for the night. I go see one of the bigger managers. And they had these glass um, offices. Right. He, he goes, ha, ha, ha. So that guy had the jogging pants. I said, if you don't leave here in five fucking seconds, I'm going to throw you through that fucking glass window. Oh, man. They were like, yo, Derry, I think you got to go. <laughs> it's just like, so yeah. meanwhile, I had that big blowout with the manager at the mortgage company. I call Billy. I'm like, yo, Billy, that offer still on the table because you said you're going to match what I'm making here. I'll take it. Left the company. Billy fucking matched it. Pound for fucking pound. Now, the in, problem, in writing? Huh? He put it in writing. It was it was just a handshake. Just a handshake. But he was okay. good for it. But he was good problem, for all right. all right. Problem is, so this this happened in August, September. The first check bounces. Oh <laughs> man! Oh, you put it in too early. I, I, it was post dated. I was just like, you didn't fucking tell me not to put it in. Meanwhile, I got right, bills right. to pay. Today's the day I would have got paid by my other job that I left for you. 
I'll make it up to you. I said, yeah, and add the fucking insufficient funds fee too that they before they close exactly that thirty four dollar charge. Right. So (laughs) it fuck. So come October, and now my fucking marriage is really at the worst it's ever been. Check bounces again. I'm like Billy, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, I can't fucking live like this. Meanwhile, I'm having this fucking breakdown. Billy brings me out to Vegas after Thanksgiving. He, He catches up with all the fucking money. I was like, yo, Billy, look. I can't do this anymore. I said, my head's just not fucking in it. Yeah, I can't it's very do this. stressful. I mean, I can only yeah, imagine I, what you must I, be I, going through. I Shit. was like, dude, my, my life is falling apart. You want me to focus on wrestling? I quit my job. You can't fucking pay me on time. I, my bills are going fucking late and all this other stuff. I mean, when 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 the money's there, it's good. It clears. But I can't live like this day to day. She's going to use this against me in fucking court. I'm going to lose custody of my child. Exactly. Because- you, you can't you you can't be doing this shit on an if, especially with the kids and, and right. you know, support and, you know, child support and all that kind of shit. This is how good Billy is. Billy said, call your job. See if they'll take you back. And I was like, yeah, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry, Billy. I can't do this anymore. And I was about to quit. He goes, whoa, you're not quitting me. I said, Billy, what I do for you is a full-time fucking job. Right. I'm on the phone. I'm booking travel. I'm doing graphic works. I'm working with the webmaster to rebuild the website. I'm dealing with talent. I'm writing shows. And dude, when I wrote those shows, I wrote it like I was working for WWE. Not like right. indie show, you fight you and this guy goes over. No, it wasn't like that, dude. I took this as a fucking... I had a, I had a vision of my own for cyberspace. Right. And whenever I was working my real job, I was working that other job. And it was fucking... Dude, I was working 18 hours a day between my regular job. I was about to say, you look, you got two hours sleep. Exactly. Yeah. Billy told me when I was in Vegas, he goes, no, go get the job. You need benefits for your daughter. You need stability. You need all this other shit. But I'm still going to match it, and you're going to be making double. And that way you can never say no to me. I was like, Billy, what wow. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I went back, got my job. I said, I'm not going back to being a fucking loan officer because I had a bunch of years experience in my belt. I became an underwriter. I became, which is more valuable because you get to approve the loan. Right, right. I have a credit limit, and you can take, write your ticket anywhere. Had a job, good pay, with benefits. Billy's still fucking paying me. He refused. I was like, Billy, I just just give me X amount of dollars. He's like, no, I'm still going to match what they fucking pay you. So that way you never leave me. That's awesome. He gave you his word and he kept it. Dude, I. it sucks. It really yeah. sucks because I felt so fucking guilty. But then as the years went by and all the work that I was doing and sleepless nights no, and all this shit, I was like, yo, Billy. Nothing, bro. <laughs> you earned that shit, man. You, Dude, you I was the highest paid shit. person in cyberspace. Oh, without a doubt. And it was ridiculous. But you earned it, man. I mean, you weren't taking nothing. You, it's listen, man. You were writing the shit. You were booking the shit, planning out everything, booking dude, flights. For, when I when I look back at it now, for an indie promotion, I feel guilty. But then when I tell people, the people that knew me close, I mean, you know too. But we've never had this discussion about what was right. really going on. Right. I talked to my wife. I talked to my family. I talked to people. They're like. You have no idea. You would write these fucking shows. You'd fucking you'd be walking around the house like you'd come home from work. You'd have dinner. You'd play with your daughter. Once everybody went to bed, you were up all night long. You go to work the next day with two or three hours sleep. It's like you went. You rebuilt this. You booked travel. You went and had meetings with people about buildings. You were looking for schools. You like you did all this fucking shit. I don't know where you found the time. And you know what that's called? That that was the prelude, the prequel to the Midnight Hustle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Absolutely, man. Because I mean, you that's... were hustling after hours when everybody, like you said, was sleeping mm-hmm. and your your day was just getting started. Yeah, dude, it, it was rough. It was mm-hmm. it fucking aged me, but it, it, it was a tough time and I felt guilty. But as we'll end up discussing over the course of time, Billy got me. 
I wasn't just doing creative stuff. I wasn't just doing business management. I wasn't just doing brand awareness. I wasn't just doing redesigns. I wasn't just managing. I wasn't just doing travel. I was also cleaning up his messes. Right. And Billy was a fucking huge mess maker. He made a lot of messes. <laughs> I was a fucking fireman, he, basically. He made a lot of messes, yeah. I was a fucking fireman. Like, and, and the things he would do, because he loved the attention, he'd go on the sites, he'd do all sorts of shit. At all costs. And then it would impact his ears. It would impact the business. Yeah, it, 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 made, it made the company a joke sometimes, too, where he would be thinking he's having a good time having fun, just joking around. But at the same time, you're making people shit on the company. But do you know what the biggest problem was? One, our goal was to be, I don't want to say a number three promotion, but I always used ECW as the example. I was like, look, we're never going to be Vince McMahon. We're never going to compete with them. But why right. can't we be an ECW? Why can't we be a, a ring of honor? Why can't we, we be one of these promotions that's not considered the top two, but hey, a very cool known. three or distant three. And you got all this money you're throwing around. That's right. And if, we, if we do things creatively and I keep bringing in the people because I had already left WCW, but I still had contacts. So I used my contacts to bring in new talent. I was like, hey, Billy, this guy's available. He's not signing with Vince. Do you want right. him? So yeah, people coming him. off the road, that's the perfect time to get them. Dude, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But like Absolutely. Said, Billy was drowning his own baby. Yeah. And and that shit was was hard because um, it, it wasn't – I didn't give so, a fuck so much about the local people, the DOI board, the, the people just talking shit and they were pissed off because they weren't getting booked anymore. Right. But it was – if we're doing business with TNA in order for us to become that number three promotion – the only way and the fastest way for us to do that is to become the farm system for TNA. Exactly. For us, for us to either run their house shows because they weren't doing any house shows and they want to get on Spike TV or for us to start creating new talent that they can use there or continue their storylines here. Pretty much what, what Jeff Jarrett was doing with Hermie Sadler. Right. But everybody was on the internet and there, there was no social media. There was no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook. It was just message boards. Can you imagine if we had those outlets back then that, Dude, that you have today? If, if we had, you know, Twitter, we had Facebook and, you know, all these big major outlets. If, if cyberspace would have had that added for like the, you know, all the advertising right. and building the matches. Holy shit, bro. We could have had thousands. I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but look at what we did with nothing. With Can minimal you imagine what we would have done here. But That's, on the yeah, flip exactly side of that coin. Point. Yeah, you imagine the fucking fires I would have to put out online on social oh, with media. Billy, he he would listen. I love Billy, God rest his soul, but he would have been a freaking media whore with with Facebook and Twitter and everything else. Holy nope. shit! <laughs> he's he's my brother, man. He died too soon, but way too soon. He would have been around for fucking social media. I don't know if I would have been able to control him. No, we 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 would have had to have our own staff just to control him, dude. It was <laughs> a whole separate staff. He loved the attention. He because loved- I used to say to him all the time, we'd be driving to the shows. I'm like, bro, you, you got to stop being an attention whore. Mm-hmm. Or I live for this. I'm like, I get it. But you, you can't hurt the business while you're yeah. doing it. If you're doing it for fun on your own, on your time, that's one thing. But you're running a business. And like you said, it's not WWE, but it's a big major indie you know, fed that people know in mm-hmm. the tri-state area. And you, you put that, you, you shit on it and do stupid shit. You're going to put your company to bed sooner than you want. Bro, the, I, no told sense. I said, look. Best way to do this is become this farm system or run TNA's house shows. Right. Keep this shit. You don't think they go on the boards? You don't think every time we go to a to an impact pay-per-view or a TNA pay-per-view that they're gonna know the shit you've been talking? People flat, man. Yeah, they're not even flat. If they're there. on the boards, they're like, yeah, I can't do business with this. This guy's unreliable. Yeah, he's got the he's a money mark, but he's he's fucking out of control. 
right. don't need he's that. Making, shit he makes a fool of himself. We don't want to put right. our, our brand on that. Right. Yeah. We, we, and we could end up lose, jeopardizing having the talent on our show. Meanwhile, we haven't even got to this part yet, but Jeff Jarrett, who ran to own TNA, was our fucking champion. You're embarrassing yourself in front of this guy. Exactly. So he's going to go back and tell Dixie Carter. Right. Yeah. Just, I'm not going to represent these guys. Yeah, not even <laughs> represent. But like, look, we'll, we'll keep, you know, don't worry about us. We're making money with this guy on the weekends. And don't worry. I'm not going to. There's, there's, there was never going to be a relationship between cyberspace and TNA with the exception of us booking their talent. Booking the talent on our shows like Abyss, yeah. you know, Jeff Jarrett. Yep. You know, it, it was, it was hard to control, but, and then that, that was his biggest, um, I don't want to say his biggest flaw, but it, it did hurt a lot. Yeah. And, and, and if I can have all that time back and all that energy and that effort that I took into cleaning up those messes and I could have made that creatively or put it into business or whatever to help CSWF, we would right. have been in better shape. Yeah. I'm not saying that it would have lasted until now. I'm not saying Billy would still be alive. I'm not saying that we would have turned a huge profit, but we would have been going in a different direction. We kept yeah. taking shortcuts and they were like, oh yeah, no detour. Now you're, you remember the game um, shoots and ladders? Yes. All right. So, you know, when you hit the fucking thing, you climb the ladder, like, oh man, express lane. But when you hit that fucking thing, it takes you all the way back down to the beginning. That was happening to me on a daily fucking basis. I would take five steps forward, but he would send right. me 10 steps back. 10 steps back. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. I was like, what the fuck, man? Um, I always say, what if, like, you know, what if Philly were alive? What if it didn't happen? What would happen yeah. with cyberspace? Would we, if you know, expanded into maybe, because mm -hmm. we were talking about maybe doing, you know, a, a cable TV gig. And we, you know, we, we discussed a lot of stuff in the past. Yeah, dude. I mean, <sighs> radio shows, all kinds of shit. You think of it this way YouTube really took off. I remember you introduced me to YouTube. Um, I guess somebody was, was dubbing RF video shoot interviews and put them on YouTube. And you're on like, YouTube. yo, did you hear this fucking interview? I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's on yeah. YouTube. I was like, what the fuck is a YouTube? Marlon and I used to watch them at MCI when we'd be at work. We would have yeah. it minimized on the bottom of the computer. Right. And he, he and he come up to me. Remember how Marlon, he didn't talk straight. He, I uh -huh. decided his mouth, hey, Todd, you got to hear this thing. That got on YouTube <laughs> and he saw it like, I'm like, what, what? He's like, no, they got this thing that happened on YouTube with our video. You got to check it out. So we would minimize the shit. And then I remember I, I talked to you about it. Yeah. And ever since then, I mean, I watched YouTube still to this day on my 65-inch screen at night. You know, uh -huh. I check out all kinds of shows, Midnight Hustle, uh, you know, <laughs> other wrestling shows. But, you know, right now, Midnight Hustle is my is my favorite. Oh, I've been watching you, your show you. and I like what you've been doing. You're the one guy. Too. Okay. <laughs> I'm the one guy. The first guy. First of, first of many, my man. There were so many things that we could have done, and and YouTube was in the infancy, and yeah, and that was the, really the vision, the, the vision. Yeah. Because when we were talking about CSWF and having an internet champion, that champion, what we wanted to do, and we kind of did it towards the end, was have him defend the belt in different promotions. But that match would only be exclusive to the internet because he's the internet champion. Um, but at the time, like when it first started, YouTube wasn't allowing YouTube was it was limiting you to maybe a three to five minute video. Right, the full match on there. Um, YouTube wasn't allowing you to, uh, to have a business account or to profit from it or to, to stream, whatever the case was. And we were just using it as a place to kind of advertise a market, little commercials, or, yeah, or quick little, clips. Yeah, right, quick clips. Like that's how the the Lex Luger clip became such a fucking phenomenon, which I had no idea about. That it ended up on ESPN where he was trying to rip the CSWF shirt. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah, on right that October I show. You guys. Which right is that before. October show that we have no footage of. I want to get back and talk to that, talk about that show. But um, yeah, I mean, 
that was Billy's vision. So in order for us to stream off of the, the CSWF website, we would have needed a server, which would have been thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, and then to house and to stream. So we started looking for streaming companies. We started, Dude, everything here, I, you've got Fight TV, you've got all these other fucking streaming companies, oh, you got Roku. Apps everywhere like, now. Dude, I mean, it comes I mean, with the TVs for Christ's sake. You have, the, you have all the smart apps on the TV. Back then, like you said, you had to pay hundreds of thousands. Yeah. Dude, I mean, or you can build a YouTube channel and just broadcast from there. You can choose to charge for it there. The, right. Like, that's where all our, uh, where the dream is, where our income was supposed to come from, where our brand awareness, where our global domination was supposed to come from, was, was reaching that audience using a platform like YouTube. But YouTube wasn't even ready for us at the time. Right. And it's Unfortunately, like, NWA Power, they got the jump on that, you know, a couple <laughs> of years ago with YouTube. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing we'll talk about way into the future. Yeah, you know, yeah, man. We would have had that platform the way NWA Power had. Mm-hmm. We could have had some great shit going on. YouTube, you know, weekly, bi-weekly, you know, mm-hmm. like mini shows. Like now with YouTube, I'm sure you're signed up like I am where you can go like, you know, endless time, like, you know, 15 minutes yep. and on as long as mm-hmm. you sign your name you do all that bullshit with the agreement right so now i can have clips on youtube that are you know like an hour long half yeah. hour whatever back then you couldn't do that dude so they yeah. come a long way since like i said we were ahead of our time the things that we wanted to do the internet wasn't ready for us no and and, and it, it really sucks because i see what everybody's doing now and when you say that's what NWA Cyberspace used to do. That's what NWA Cyberspace wanted to do. That's what NWA Cyberspace tried to do. when the Ron Simmons impersonation comes out, you're like, damn. Dude, there's so much to discuss on cyberspace. And unfortunately, it boils down to the politics. And that's something yeah. I tried to keep out of our locker room was politics. Yep. The politics was the poison that destroyed NWA Cyberspace. And I'm not talking about... Dave Levy having beef with me. That's not fucking politics. Nah, that, that's, Talking, all, that's all small shit. Yeah, that's that's all that's all little beef. That's bullshit. Right, man. right. It's it, it's when when you start letting in every fucking snake out there who are powerful and they have connections and they've done things and they can persuade you to do things. And those are the things that Billy fell for and it ended up killing the company. Yeah, you get yeah. All, you get all these snakes that come out of the woodworks, they want to get a payday and they just want to mm-hmm. shit on the product and then make yeah. us look bad. And like you said, bring bad business to the table. And, you know, we were like a family business. They never succeeded either. They no. never fucking succeeded. I have no idea why they got involved. I know why they wanted to get involved, but there was never a payoff for them. In the long yeah. run, they just fucking killed. They, they drove it right into the ground. And, and, yeah. and, and it, it breaks my heart because it, there's so much more that we had left in the tank. There were so many hungry kids out there. So much fuel there. left in the tank, man. Um, and then there was an opportunity to turn it into a profit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and you know, um, fucking social media had just started to come around. We could have utilized that to our advantage. In, in, in oh, the definitely. We just started turning the corner, making a profit, and we yeah. started really like doubling the crowd. And I mean, people were coming, man. I mean, everybody was and, talking about it. They was like, "Hey, listen, you guys, you know, we go see you guys. We go to JPW. You know, we yep. go here, we go there. We were like one of the top three companies, you know, in that tri-state area. Yeah, you know, we Bro. were competing with with Fat Frank. We were competing with Ring yeah. of Honor." Mm-hmm. I mean, we we were you know they were talking about us, bro. His tribute show in two thousand seven, January of two thousand seven, was a sellout. That place was wall to wall packed. Sure. We who did we have on the card? Locals. Yeah. What but names we, we had? We were known. Sunny Crowbar. Yeah. That's it. I mean, we had guys like Bobby Fish on that show before anybody knew Bobby Fish. Yeah. Now he's like big in NXT. But yeah, I, I know. I, I watch <laughs> it now. I'm like, yeah, okay. He's like you know back then. Who the hell's who? Who the fuck's a Bobby Fish? Right. What's that? Right. Somebody's next door neighbor. Who the fuck's this guy? Meanwhile, Dude. now he's huge. 
You want to hear a story about Bobby Fish? So sure. I only got to work with him that one time um, at Billy's Tribute Show. But the goal there was to reboot the promotion. I want to erase the history of what we did. Um, I honestly didn't even want to keep the, the NWA name. But because Billy had just changed the name to NWA Shockwave. I think we did one show as Shockwave. And this would have been the next show. Right. Um, I want to say that that the last show that we did when Billy was alive was in May of 06. And then Billy passed in July. And then we ended up doing his tribute show on his birthday in January of 07. That was the last show that I did. Um, But it was a reboot. It was a rebirth of his vision to use a local, not sell out to TNA talent, to hire, to to, to make it on our own creatively. Um, Our, Our own people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I would go around and I'd talk to the town. I was like, hey, man, listen, recommend me some guys that are out there. And and Papa Don, Greek guy Papa Don, shout out to him, says, hey, man, yeah. you got to get this guy Bobby Fish. He's been working in Japan for Noah. He does great stuff. Check out these links. Papa Don was a huge advocate of Bobby Fish. So Bobby Fish lived upstate New York. And okay. um, as you know, the tribute show, nobody got paid. That was just, we were just doing that so we can raise the money to give to Hawks, to Firehawk's daughter at I the remember. end of the night. But nobody, nobody got paid on that show. Um, but I had never worked with Bobby Fish before. And he's all the way upstate New York. I was like, hey, Bobby, what, what do you charge? What's your normal thing? I, I didn't want to, he had never worked for us before. So I couldn't say, hey, come work for free for a guy that you, that you never did business with. Like he's, he's like, why the fuck am I paying tribute to this guy? You right, never did right, anything right. for me. So Bobby Fish only asked for $100. Exactly, exactly. From upstate New York. And I remember we were in the locker room and fucking Fred Rubenstein always opened his big fucking mouth. Oh, and remember, nobody here is getting paid. And Bobby Fish looked at me like I fucked him as a promoter. Right. Thinking I'm not going to get my hundred bucks. And I was like, Bobby, come here. I said, listen, you and I had had a deal. He goes, no, no, listen, I didn't realize. it was. That's on the side. Don't listen to this guy. Right. And he was like, I didn't realize it was a tribute show. I'll work for free. It's not a problem. I just thought we had a. So no, Bobby, you and I. Because now you look bad, obviously. I said, the only thing I'm asking you is not to tell anybody else that I paid you. I I don't want to break my word to you. Right. Keep it harsh and don't tell no one. That's how I kept my respect as a promoter. And they fucking trashed me. But I had such a great relationship with the talent because they trusted me. Without trust and communication, you got nothing. Zero. So I told Bobby, I said, look, just don't tell anybody else that I paid you. This is the first time we're working together. I don't want to leave a bad taste in your mouth. I don't want to be dishonest with you. And I couldn't ask you to work for a guy or, or pay tribute to a guy that you never worked for before. That you never really worked right. Exactly. Right. I well, said, shout out to Papa Don for recommending Bobby Fish. Of course. I said, so yeah. I'm going to give you your pay. And, and Bobby Fish, he's still, dude, he's still on my fucking Facebook. We don't communicate at all. We're still Facebook friends because of that one fucking thing. That's awesome. And, you know, it's funny. We mentioned Papa Don. To this day, I keep in contact with him. Yeah, me too, man. So, you know, he, he always kept it real with everybody. He's a great dude. All the time, man. Love that guy. I was going to build a promotion around that dude, man. Him and Havoc and a couple of other people, man. It was going to be a different yeah. take. Well, on my my nephew had built his promotion when he first started around Papa Don. And, you know, Papa Don was a champion and he right. helped him out. And actually, recently, I saw Papa Don on a, um, I forgot the name of the wrestling company. It was like, I actually paid the 9 or $10 for the pay-per-view. He was on it. It was a pretty good match. I mean, yeah. he's someone that I I feel not just because I'm friends with the guy, mm-hmm. but I felt that he should have gotten a rub a long time ago. Yeah, and I really would have thought I would have seen him in AEW because uh, he still yeah. got fuel in the tank. You know, he definitely does. He definitely does. The question is, I don't know how much uh, how much more time he's got left. I mean, how which much more time? Yeah, because he reinvented himself a few years ago. He got into really good shape. Right, and he's always. I I thought he's always been a better you know heel than a face. Yeah. And he interacts great with the crowd and he just, you know, he knows his spots. He knows what he wants to do. 
Yeah. And he's just a all around great performer. So I always, you know, wish him the best. I, I'd like to say that he's the East Coast version of Christopher Daniels. Not as good as Christopher Daniels, but right, he's right, one of those right. journeymen that he's yeah, exactly. worked everywhere, won every championship, but never got that big push. On, on, for a major promotion that and, he and should, I, that he should have gotten, you dude, know? I, I hope that, that he gets it, even if it's just one year, one yeah. fucking year. That guy deserves, you know, a, a shot of the big time to be on TV, so people can say, oh, to get his own fucking action figure, his own T-shirt, to get something right. He much. deserves it. Good guy, man. You know, you know, another guy I know, you know, personally from Brooklyn. You know, he wrestles as Mike Verna. You know, his real name is Mike Taverna. He wrestled for my my uh, nephew's promotion back in the day. Okay. He, was tra- he was trained by the SATs. And now he's in AEW and he's doing his thing. Yes, ATs. yet, man. Oh yeah. Oh man. But, That'll uh, be in episode ninety-five, maybe. <laughs> well, well, rolling rolling in it back a minute. I, I want to talk about that show in in October because that that yes. show. Let's go back to that. Yeah, October of two thousand and four. Um, I mean, there, there's things that we can talk about. There wasn't much going on in June and 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 August for the first Cybercade. I mean, we've already covered Diamond Dallas Page being there, things that were going on behind the scenes. Um, but it, it wasn't until October of 2004 when mm-hmm. we did uh, Halloween Horror, I think we were calling it. And um, Billy, Billy just wanted to pull out all the stops. He, he was on a rush from, from the whole Diamond Dallas Page thing that he wanted to bring in more people and do it bigger and better. Um, that's the first show that we had Abyss on. Abyss okay. uh, wrestled Crowbar. First and only time that I had AJ Styles on the show. Wow. Can you believe that I do not have footage of AJ Styles working for me? That's I have eight by tens that he shot in the back, and I'm gonna put oh, yeah. eight by tens, but not the actual footage. But I don't have he, he wrestled Jimmy Rave on the show, and all I know is that he stopped me in my fucking tracks because he was laying flat on his back and did a nip up Harakarana. Yeah, AJ is awesome, man. Yeah, I've seen him do that. On his fucking back, just nipped up as far as he could, grabbed Jimmy Ray by the head, and did a fucking hurricane on him. I was That's like, awesome. what the fuck, man? Um, that show, I brought, in, I brought in Vince Russo for the first time. Again, another fucking jinx. I bring in Vince Russo. Shout out to Vince. If you're watching Vince, which I know you're not because you got your brand shit going on, but yeah, I already sent you $100, motherfucker. I sent you $100. <laughs> you better set me up. I'm on Vince Russo's fantasy baseball team. So okay. I'm waiting to get my shit. So don't forget to send me the email so I can set up my team and get my draft thing going. <laughs> but, Make it happen, um, Vince. Yeah. Well, you know, the funny, <laughs> so I bring Vince in and, and Vince was going through his shit at the time where he found Jesus. Right, and, right. He uh, had the forgiven book out, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, bu- yeah. I book him as a heel and I got this awesome promo. I think you've seen it before where yeah, he has yeah, the, the public the meeting. Yep. And yo, if there's one guy that ever said my words word for word the way I put it on a page it was Vince Russo. Vince fucking Russo. So fucking impressed, man. I mean, like I said, yeah. to me, it was cool because it was like I was paying it back. He was one of my mentors. He, he yeah. tried to get me into the WWE two or three times when he was working over there um, on the magazine and then as a booker and stuff like that. And it just didn't work out. Right, um, right. I'll tell you that story another time too. But yeah, um, I remember the time we spoke to him in 2007 at the Turnbuckle Promotions and he was saying, I'm going to try to get you in. You know, uh, you know, if you have anyone you want to bring with you, we'll see what we can do. Well, and I'm looking I, at you like, bro, bro, you know, <laughs> talk to this guy. Come on, you know, well, Toddy D. Come on, let's do this. You the, know? the last time, and I probably fucked it up. Um, it was, it was probably know, 2008. Mm. I came home from work and I got a call from Vince Russo and Jeff Jarrett. 
<laughs> on a wow. conference call. And meanwhile, on the internet, Jeff Jarrett had done done something in Puerto Rico, and it went to shit. Something went wrong with the promoter. And, Working and, for the Cologne promotion or something else? I honestly, I can't remember. I, I, I was just skimming through it. I was reading the news. It was like some shit that, that Jeff Jarrett was involved in with TNA went to complete shit. And, and yeah. even as, I think they had to cancel a show, and maybe they were going back, or they had to re- – whatever. It was a big mess. The week after is when I get the call from Vince and, and Jarrett, Mm-hmm. And the first question they asked me was like, hey, Die Hard, can you speak Spanish? And the first thing that goes in my head yes. is like, I was like, um, I said, well, I'm from, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Puerto Rican from Brooklyn. So I speak Spanglish, it's broken Spanish. I speak, Spanglish I said, broken. Yeah, yeah. in my head, I'm thinking he's probably going back to Puerto Rico to do something else. I was like, I can't be like a, like an ambassador or so, or right, I can't right. be like, like your translator. If you're going back to Puerto, like that's not going to work for me. He was like, mm-hmm. I can imagine. Hold and on. Then, he's like, all right, book well, here. what did you just say? Hey, right, hang we'll, on. We're, we're going to call you back. We'll call you back. And then I never got the call back. They yeah. had something prepared for me. I don't know if it was in TNA. I don't right. know if it was with that Puerto Rico thing, but I should have just fucking said yes. Right. And got Rosetta Stone. <laughs> just like <laughs> You should have said yes. And then play it by fucking ear when you got there. Yeah, man. And, and fucking Vince. I remember at that show that we did in two, that was 2007. And yeah. he was like, you should have just fucking said yes. You should have just fucking yeah. said yes. I remember and that's when you told me the story, part of the story. Yeah. I remember that. And I'm like, I'm like, what? what was it? He was like, I can't talk about it now. And he was like, well, we might have something else for you coming up. Yeah. There was an old bumper sticker I had years ago. My old man gave me and it went like this. If you can't dazzle him with brilliance, you baffle him with bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's that's motto at that motto oh. are words I've lived by since uh, since maybe eight or nine years old when I first read that sticker. <laughs> Dude, that's classic. That belongs on the bod- on yeah. the Mero bodega sign, <laughs> the neon sign. Exactly. Can't dazzle with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. Holy shit! It's funny. I was and watching- I've done that, man. Not in the wrestling oh, world, but I did it. I did it in the business world plenty of times. That's part of the hustle, man. Part that's of right. the hustle. If you don't have right. the education, if you don't have the experience, you just fucking tell them what they want to hear. And as long as you're convincing, you're good. The guy asked me, he goes, do you have uh, experience in project management? Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about, but I got the job <laughs> and I just winged it, man. Funny shit, man. So many fucking great times that we can talk about in the future with cyberspace. and Definitely, man. I like and, to bring up. I mean, and, we and there's just so scratching many sh- the surface. There's so many shows that cyberspace did. I mean, granted for an indie promotion, but if you really like, well, and I can't remember everything. It's been so long, but there, there are incidents that happened. There are rumors that were spread. They they were things, like I said, in the beginning, I want to set the record straight. And, and we can even start with that October show because a lot of people don't know what happened backstage. Um, I I mentioned earlier that, you know, we were doing the thing where, where we, we had booked a feature match, but I told Billy, I said, Hey, you know, what, what if we, I'm bringing in Vince Russo. They know Vince Russo is coming. They know we're getting AJ Styles. They know Abyss is debuting. That's a lot to buy a ticket for. What if, if we already have them, now we nail them with a fucking surprise and then we become those guys. It's like, yo, you need to go to every cyberspace show. You got to keep going every month. Happen. Yeah. They're going to have the another surprise. Surprise, surprise yeah. on that show was Lex Luger. Right. And right. Shit got crazy with Lex Luger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. But dude, yeah. second thing. And, and I told you, on, on, on this fucking podcast, and us going back and retelling these stories, I'm going to yeah. be brutally fucking honest. And the truth of the matter is, I have my flaws, too. One of my biggest flaws is I never watched any of the shows. And I was just, you know, you must be a mind reader because I was going to touch on that. I remember back in the day while the shows were going on, you were never viewing them live. 
you were always backstage. You were always doing something else. And a couple of times I used to pull you. I was like, oh, come on. You got to see this. This is mm-hmm. awesome. The shit you have on paper, what's coming to fruition is amazing. And you're like, oh, I'll, I'll catch it later. I'll watch it later. Yeah. You never w- would come out and watch it live. Even with the I DVD. always wanted to ask you, man, why is that? Um, a couple of things. One, I was busy as fuck. <laughs> okay. Um, Keeping Billy at bay? <laughs> well, not even keeping Billy at bay, but making sure everything got done backstage. And, and flowed, yeah. I hate to use the word trust, but I have to use trust. Um, it's hard to trust people to get the job done. Right. And, and I got you. At, at that time, the independence was a DVD business. Right. So like we're, we're a local community. The Internet wasn't what it is right now. We can get that global uh viewership or it's going to live forever on youtube right. um, we mentioned before it had limitations on, on the time that you could put a video up it's like three to five minutes max yeah um so we, we couldn't do a lot as a matter of fact when nwa when we started doing the shockwave tapings is exactly when youtube announced that they were going to let us do up to a half hour that they're going to let us upload up to a half hour, but that was the max so we right. went from three to that five was minutes. a big deal at the time right it was, it was like holy yeah. shit we got a tv show now it's, no, it's we got a half hour we got a show <laughs> right but um but at the shows, I because we were a DVD business, like yeah, we had the live crowd, but we wanted to grow our brand by by getting the DVDs out globally. Um, I had to make sure that the story was told in the vignettes we did backstage, right. and they had to do the promos. They had to do like like the things that led into that match. Like, why are these guys in the ring? Because these guys weren't fucking going in the ring and telling the story. They would go in the ring and getting their shit in. And right. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I mean, and in cutting a lot of the the, the matches now for YouTube. I'm noticing, I'm like, I don't remember writing that. I don't remember this fucking habit. Why are they doing this shit? It's because they saw it as a workout. Nobody right. was taking it. I was trying to make TV. See, you were trying to make it something. I was trying to make episodic right. television, and they were just <clears throat> treating it as a spot show. So um, so I had to be backstage in order to tell those stories because I, it was bad enough that I couldn't stand the quality of the footage. And I love Jason Cole, a good guy. Our video, shout out to, to Doug Gentry, who passed away way back when, yeah. and, and Rob Feinstein, good guy too. Yeah. But their um, handheld cam, it's like, you remember the ECW fan cam? The shaky yes. shit and the bad yeah. chopping. And, and, and miss- dude, I gave you the script ahead of time. You knew where you had to be. You missed the run in. You missed the certain shot. You were focusing on something else. When you should have been focusing on that moneymaker right, right there. Yeah. You're, you're missing the story that we're trying to tell. And it, it just it became frustrating. It's hard to yeah. trust people. As a matter of fact, that October show that I keep going back to, the reason that we don't have is because we couldn't lock down um, a video guy. So Billy hired two guys mm. from Craigslist who had never shot wrestling before. Oh, my God. It is the absolute worst footage you'll ever see in your fucking life. I can only imagine. It's gone. It's gone. The only mm. footage that I have from that show is the stuff I filmed. So I knew Vince Russo's meeting was going to be big and I needed that shit fast. So I went ringside and I shot it. I knew um, the Lex Luger match. I don't even know if I got, I I might have that, but I got to go find the tapes. The Lex Luger match is probably there. That was the show where Lex Luger gave Matt Stryker the robe. The robe. Yes. I I remember watching that backstage. It was like a vignette, you know? Right, right. and the whole what? thing is you were wearing a lot of caps back then because, you know, you're writing, you're, you're, you're recording because yeah. that shit that you want, it goes back to a trust factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't it's... trust guys. Like you said, guys from Craigslist, what the fuck are they going to do? Right. Especially no wrestling background. So if you don't have people you can trust, you got to put on that hat now and do what yep. you have to do. So I can see now why you weren't out there during the show. Cause you had all that other bullshit to deal with. Believe it or not. Well, thanks for answering that, man. Cause well, I always, I always wondered. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, I, a part of me wants to say that I trusted the talent. 
I'm like, hey, man, I'm giving you this opportunity. And, and that's one of the beefs that I had with Levy, too, was because he would go around and trash me on the boards and be like, this fucking guy thinks he's Vince Russo. Uh, I was like, all right, first of all, Vince Russo was a big influence in my life because he's one of the first guys that ever gave me the time of day. He's one of the guys that helped me grow in the business. Uh, right. Vince Russo is the reason why you're such a fucking mark for the attitude. Era. Not you, everybody in general. He's the reason why people are marked for the attitude era. He was part <laughs> of that. Okay. Yeah. Vince Russo understands how to structure TV and how to tell episodic stories so people come back week after week after week with surprises and swerves. There's a lot of shit that Vince Russo has done that I do not agree with. And I just took the stuff that I was like, yeah, I can connect with that. That's what I want to do. That's how I want to. He was my mentor. He was one of my right. biggest mentors in the professional wrestling business. So why wouldn't I want to? And then I had the opportunity to work with him. Right, exactly. I was I mean, that's boss. awesome. That's full right. circle, man. All those fucking years that 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 he would that he was trying to hire me in WWE, and the only time I get to work with him is when I hire him for NWA Cyberspace. Take and, it, man. Right, I'll, I'll fucking take it. So, yeah. Not to mention, and again, this is not me trying to play the, you know the dick flute solo over here. This is me fucking <laughs> telling the truth, saying that the experience that I've had working in a place like WCW where I saw how they formatted a show, how they broke it down by segments, how they wrote scripts and put it on the wall. People knew their cues. They knew their times. They knew what they had to say. They knew where it was leading. Right. That's, that's the kind of discipline. I mean, you've been to dozens of fucking indie shows. Who does that? Right. You took that, you, geez, you took that with you and you broke it down and you took it piece by piece and brought that with you, what you learned and you absorbed it like a sponge and brought it to your, you know, to, to, you know, to the company in cyberspace so you can do what you had to do. I mean, what you I did felt, was you took it seriously. I felt it was a responsibility that here's right. a bunch of kids out there who have a dream of becoming, of working for the WWE, working for TNA. And because we're right there, we're, we're on the cusp because we're working with TNA directly. Well, right. then let me share with you the responsibility of giving you the discipline I have of how to do TV, how to do a promo, how to know you. So that way, maybe when a Jeff Jarrett's in our ring or the TNA people in the ring, they're like, Hey man, you're good. You're well-trained and you follow the script. This is what we do over here. Come work for us. I'm grooming you to make your dream come true. It was never about Take advantage of this opportunity because you That's can it. run with it and go places. Excuse me. If, if you listen to what I have to say. And yeah. that that's another story for another time, but there was a guy <laughs> by the name of CM Punk. <laughs> we didn't want to hear anything, but that's like that's like a tease for the future. Yeah, how man. Put, how a to put that story. in there, man? How to put that in there? There's but that's C the problem. People people are just there for a paycheck. They don't get the whole psychology of it. They don't, you know, everything that you took from WCW, you know, you use that to your advantage, and you were like a sponge. You wanted to learn so you can progress and you can grow, and then you want to pass it on to the next person. Listen, I was trying to build a promotion, and exactly. in building the promotion, if I'm the captain exactly. of that ship. I need you guys to do, or if I'm the general in, in, in a fucking army and I'm telling my soldiers, hey, do this so we can win this war, so we can right. excel, so we can take the hill. And I'm passing down the knowledge and experience that I have exactly. with the places that you want to be. I've been there. Let me show you how they get it done so that way you can get that experience. Well, that's how I, we became such good friends because you right. had the passion and I love professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. And listen, at the end of the day, when we grew up, we were all marks. But I love the business. I've always had a passion for it. And when I met you, you were the first person out of all my buddies that are big wrestling fans. I'm not knocking them. But you were the first person that had the vision like I had and the passion and basically the same kind of background. And that's why I think we gelled so quickly and we became fast friends. And you know what the thing with Billy is too, man? Billy was such a kid that as much as, as, much as he wanted to be in control, he knew he had his limitations. He knew that he had to rely on a guy like Dave before I got there to really put the show together because he 
That wasn't he his strength. He couldn't do it. Right. It wasn't his strength. He couldn't do it himself. He needed people to lean on. Right. And, right. and then he was always in so much gimmick that he couldn't command the discipline of the longer. They, they loved him and they respected him because he paid them. Because he paid, right. But unfortunately, they laughed about him behind his back. And that, and that was a sad thing because I heard people saying stuff and sometimes I give them a dirty look like, yo, what the fuck, man? This guy yeah. is paying you and he's making you a star and he's right. putting you on the show. So, you know, show some respect. I mean, it is what it is with Billy. Yeah. Excuse me, but don't, don't be a dick. Right. And don't, don't insult the guy because he's got a heart of gold. His heart was as big as his body. Yeah. You know, lovable guy. Just unfortunately, sometimes he couldn't uh, separate, you know, business and pleasure. Nah, and the thing is, when, when when he sat in in the in the bleachers watching the show that I put together for him, the show that I manage, managing the talent, managing the locker room, making right. sure everybody did, and and he's he sat back and swelled up, knowing that at the end of the day, even though it's all my work, all my writing, all my discipline, all my keeping these motherfuckers in line, the end of the day was his show. Right. It's Billy Firehawks. NWA Cyberspace and Billy Firehawk CSWA. It, everybody knew he owned it, so he can sit back and say, "Look, like like any manager, like any CEO does, they hire people and they delegate the work to make right. the they, best they, company they possible. Spread it out and hand it out to everybody. That's right. it. So he exactly. knew his limitations. He said, "Look, I'll continue doing this. I'll finance. I'll do it. At the end of the day, it's still mine. But let me get the right people in the right places to make my vision a reality because I've tried it." And I know, I know my limitations. Back in the day, I was his gimmick guy. And Billy would call me at like 3 in the morning my time. <laughs> and I'd answer the phone half asleep. Like, hello? And i get, Mr. De Palma. And I'm like, Billy, it's fucking 3 in the morning. Not here in Vegas. It's only midnight. I'm like, motherfucker. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, what do you want? He says to me, I need a bullwhip. I'm like, you need a bullwhip? I said, bro, it's 3 in the morning. What the fuck? Go on eBay and get me a bullwhip. And these would be the conversations I'd have with the guy. Yeah, yeah. He'd call me in the middle of the night with Julio De Niro, quick story. When he became Lord of the Strings, I had to go to King's Plaza and buy shitty G strings. Like he wanted 12 of them, get the cheapest, you know, G strings. So now you got a guy going into fucking King's Plaza. I don't know where to go. Mm. And I go up to this lady. I said, Listen, I, I need some help. And she said, What do you need? I said, I know this is going to sound crazy. And I said, I'm in the wrestling business. And our professional wrestler, his gimmick is G-strings. And she's like, okay. And he's like, you're looking at me like I'm fucking nuts. So I said, listen, I need 12 G-strings. And she's like, you know, if you need it for whatever, you can be on. I said, listen, it's not what you think. I need it for a wrestling show. And oh. I had to have these conversations numerous times. I had to go to Home Depot, get lumber or two by fours mm. or all kinds of crazy shit. And the guy's like, if you don't mind me asking, what are you doing with all this? Oh, we got a wrestling match. It's like a death match coming up. He's like, oh, oh okay, here you go. And the guy's just like, this fucking guy's crazy, you know? <laughs> and I'd get that on a monthly basis. But it, it was it was shit that I would never trade, and I'd do it all over again if I could. Do, do you know how, how um, Julio De Niro got stuck with all those shitty gimmicks? No, I, I was kind of was curious because he was a good worker. He was solid. Yeah. <laughs> how do you get these gimmicks? Did you give him the gimmicks? Yes and no. Um <laughs> Right, I'm shooting a, a video backstage with, with Julio De Niro, and he cuts this great promo. You don't understand. I'm more than just a, you know. You want to call me a wrestler? I'm not just a wrestler. I'm an entertainer. The original match was supposed to be Ron Killings against Al Snow. Okay. They changed it to Al Snow against Julio De Niro. Al Snow always does the ha ha funny shit for the fans. Right, right. He's so they had a it. Yeah, yeah. they had a dance battle. Yeah, as we started moving forward, we, every show we wanted him to have a different gimmick. This was a Billy thing. In the Jack October. of all trades, so to speak. Right. Gotcha. So, okay. The October show, we kept playing that video. I'm, I'm more than a wrestler. I'm an entertainer. 
right, right. came out to do magic tricks. And I had to write. He was like, okay, so on this one, Julio De Niro, I want him to be a magician. I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with a magician wrestler? Because I don't know. You figure it out. You're the creative guy. I sat right. there for about a week trying to fucking figure this out. And I was like, all right, magician, magician. And that's then I locked down Lex Luger. Wow. And ended up doing the thing with Lex Luger in the coffin. Okay. Which is a fucking nightmare. We never advertised Lex Luger. We had Vince Russo, Abyss, AJ Styles, a bunch of new names on the card. Because come October, because I was more involved, I said, Billy, the first thing we have to do, we got to reboot this card. Uh, we got to get rid of the clones. The clones got to go. Right, right. The clones are going to bring us down. You got TNA talent. They can't right. be fucking around with these clones. So I said, look, well, let's do the surprise. And Lex Luger pops up. And Lex already said he'll do about three or four shows for us. So we can build on that. And we'll build to Lex Luger against Ron Killings. So it's Halloween. Billy, do you know anybody, who, a carpenter, who can build a coffin? He goes, yeah, why? What do you got in mind? I said, well, what <laughs> if Julio De Niro is going around doing magic tricks and then he fucks up every magic trick and people are booing him. He goes, oh, you want to boo me? I'm an entertainer. You want to see the biggest magic trick you've ever seen in your life? Watch this. I want to bring one of the best wrestlers in the world out of this coffin. And abracadabra, he taps the coffin. Boom. Here comes Lex Luger kicking the door that's, down. Everybody's like, that's awesome. Holy shit. Lex Luger's here. Julio De Niro brought it. Lex Just Luger's when you didn't believe in me. So what happens backstage? <laughs> that's cool. I'm talking to Lex. Hey, Lex. And I think I'm, John Shane is there too. John, here's what I need you to do. I need you to make sure that when I cue you, you get Lex in the coffin and you get somebody to roll the coffin out and put it ringside for the segment because that's the big kicker. Yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. I got it, I got it. Fucking coffin comes out. I'm out there for it and I hear doof, 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 doof. And I hear bumps in the coffin. I'm like, what the fuck is oh, going shit. on? So Julio's out there doing his fucking magic trick. John Shane comes out in full gimmick. Oh, and he's shit. like, he goes, we got a problem. I'm like, I'm like, we're in the middle of the fucking show. Like, you just can't wait till later. What's the problem? He goes, <laughs> he goes, Lex is freaking out in the coffin. I said, is, say, the yeah. I said, is that the noise I'm hearing? He says, he didn't want to get in it, but I, I, had to force, I had to force him to get in the coffin. Oh, I said, what do you mean force him to get in the coffin? He goes, once we told him what we would do, he was all good with it. And then once we told him to get in the coffin, he didn't want to go in because he's, he's afraid. He's scratching like Warrior did to, to uh, yep. Undertaker. Is that even the fact that he was claustrophobic? He thought people were going to give him shit because Liz had died a couple months earlier. Oh, shit. And he okay. thought that, that he was making fun. Right. He, um, it, uh, he was he was paranoid thing that he's poking fun at the death of right. Liz. So I want to say okay. Liz died in April or May. This is October. So it was, so, it was just, it was re, it was recent. The moon was still uh, pretty pretty yeah. open. So he's freaking Fresh. out in the coffin, thinking about Liz the whole time. Oh, and then when shit. he broke out, That's yeah, crazy man, he was a fucking mess, dude. Dude, I spent the entire night with. with listen, you know when you go to a bar and you ever do go to the club and do bottle service, you right, buy right. like a, a bottle of Grey Goose and you can get that in the store for like forty bucks. Oh, you, you pay the, like fucking like triple or whatever, yeah, like three hundred dollars. Yeah, you went down to the fucking club for the experience. Right, exactly. He <laughs> went down to the club. He goes, listen, because they, they wrapped everything up in Jersey at like two in the morning. He goes, yo, right, right. let me get two or three bottles of Grey Goose at $300 a pop. Wow. And we took those fucking bottles and we hung out in his fucking room all night long. And he cried on my fucking shoulder about Liz. Wow. Night. That's that's, long, that's intense, man. So it was a therapy session. It's a sad story with that dude because he got into the business. He was never really a wrestling fan growing up per se, but the guy had a great body, great look. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure you know the story how he became paralyzed. He was at a convention. Yeah. And 
you know, they went up to his room. I think he like he collapsed or whatever it was, and he couldn't make it down the stairs. And for the longest time, I think he was not just a paraplegic. I think he was a quadriplegic where he was like from the neck down, he was done. Holy and then shit. he got back to, you know, walking and got his physical therapy. I mean, you look at the dude now, it's sad. He's like a yeah. hundred pounds soaking wet as Piper would say, including pimples. Yep. yep. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's a sad story with Lex. So the original plan, what a lot of people don't know is that um, I was going to build a promotion around Matt Stryker. And he was going to be our version of Ric Flair. He was going to be the right. one that that beats like the, the title. Right. Right. So in, in order to do that, I wanted to get Matt. Matt was already a phenomenal fucking wrestler. And I was like, Billy, this is your guy. This is your main event guy. The way he cuts promos, the way he commands the audience, the, the way he works in the ring. It's, yeah. It's amazing. I'm like, this is the guy that we need to build around and we build him as yeah. a heel. This and he was articulate on the mic too, almost like Bachwinkle-esque, you know, right, he was, right. he was a talker. And, it allows us to build up so many baby faces that are chasing him for the title. And right. you're going to want to, pay money to see him get his ass kicked and when's he going to finally drop the belt so he's like all right we're going to do this he says but how do we get the endorsement i said we'll use lex lex is already coming in lex has rubbed elbows with the horseman lex and we want to build a horse it's a good rub that's a good rub so so promo he did i don't even know if i have that on tape where he's like listen there's a guy in the back who who i've I've watched his work i've been wanting that's the main reason why i came to, to cyberspace because this guy deserves to be the next world champion he needs to be on every fucking tv out there blah blah blah, blah, okay and i've rode with the horseman i've rode with the rick flares this is the future of the professional wrestling business and i want to give that's the sell right there and that's it that's all and then we present you with this robe and now you're going to wear this robe that you got from lex luger because he thinks coronation so to speak exactly i remember i was watching this the other day when striker was doing his goodbyes cyberspace and he had the crowd do the firehawk is fat thing Uh and Yours truly is the guy that escorted him out the building. And back in the day, I wore the street uh, street team shirt, and I used to cut the sleeves, Mr. Tough yeah. Guy, to show my hats and everything. So he was like, oh, okay, then, Mr. Tough Guy, sleeveless, you're going to walk me out? I was like, hey, hey, I'm thinking to myself, come on, man, don't give me a hard time. I'm just you know trying to play the part. And we walked them out and escorted them out. That was a great piece of business, man. So Billy, you know, true with you know bless his heart he was trying his best in the ring to keep up with striker yeah he would take off the loud idiot shirt he was wearing he's like topless in the ring and they're you know picking on him yeah yeah and he just <laughs> tore billy apart man and billy's trying not to laugh it was just just a funny moment man great Dude, segment it, it's it, it pissed me off so i mean it was great because um I, like i said i want to build a promotion around striker i want him to be our rick flair and then i ended up going to uh i can't remember it's, it's the arena in jersey wherever the, the devils play, they had a, a raw taping there. Okay. And he comes out and he does a thing with the ankle, uh, with Kurt angle. We had gotten, um, you know, you know, like the corporate seats, the box seats that they have there. So right, like, right. Yeah. The the like, seat. Oh, there's a wrestling yeah. thing coming up. You guys want free tickets? I was like, fuck yeah. So me and Laurie, we take the tickets, we go and I'm always sitting in the thing with fucking eating and shit like that. And Kurt angles cutting his promo. And he goes, I challenge anybody. Come on in. Here comes Matt striker. I was like, Oh shit. My boy's like, I, I, yeah. 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 But it, it went quickly from, oh, shit, my boys in WWE like, oh, fuck, he's going to sign with them. I'm going to lose strike. <laughs> I was like, strike. My exactly. And the reality <laughs> said it. Like, oh, shit, I'm losing my money, guy. When that promo was done, he, he broke the news. He was like, listen, I'm signing. I just got fired from my job. They found out. WWE's picking me up. I'm not going to be able to do the thing. Maybe we can work on something that um, that's my exit to the company. I was like, dude, there's really not much to do. I wanted you to win the title. You were in the chase. 
look, why don't you just say farewell, say goodbye? Unless you want one final match, he goes, they won't even let me wrestle right now because if I get hurt here, it's going to null and void my contract. Right, it's, it's going to mess up his chances. Yeah. I said, all right, well, look, we'll, we'll just do one of those 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 Vince things where you come in, you cut a promo, and then we fire you, and it's like, nah, 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 hey, 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 goodbye. And right. We'll do and that he grabs the check on the way out the door, which is hysterical. This is what I want to know if you, if you can confirm for me. So Stryker calls me up, and he's like. Hey, man, I just want to say thank you for everything. You treated me like fucking gold. I'll never forget that, which I'm pretty sure he has by now. <laughs> He's like, um, he goes, I just want to let you know something. I'm like, what happened? He goes, Billy stiffed me on the money. <laughs> I said, what oh, do you shit. Billy stiffed you on the money. He goes, well, I was supposed to get X amount, and I only got X amount. Right, right. And I was like, oh, fortune. I said, look, let me, let me go talk to Billy. Let me see what I can do. If, if you were promised that money... I'll get you that money one way or another. I'll make it up to you. I know you can't work for us. It's fine. We'll, we'll square this way. He goes, hey, one other thing. I'm like, yeah, what's that? He goes, um, did Dave Levy's wife get mad? Is she still mad at me? And I said, what the fuck are you talking about? He oh, goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, well, when I was going out and I took my envelope, I opened it up and I was right by the door and I saw Billy short of me and I said, I've fucking dirty rat and i was right in front of her she said what the fuck did you call me and i was like yeah yeah he like, said what? something right by the door as he's walking out he he, he said a freaking thing and she's like looking at him like whatever and i'm right. just like there's so much more we got to catch up on and i know that we call this the untold stories of nwa cyberspace but we're going to get back into that because there's so many other stories that we didn't talk about definitely but I, I'm, I'm glad that they got to hear these stories about us and our fandom so they understand where we come from that we're not just two guys who never did anything in the business and want to talk about a fucking defunct uh, independent promotion that nobody remembers or nobody even believed in at the time. Right. Um, it goes to show that, that we loved what we did. We had a passion for what we did. We had integrity in our work and in the exactly. vision that we had that we were trying to do for Billy Firehawk. So RIP to our, our big guy. Um, but again, there are a lot of deep stories and deep cuts to discuss about NWA cyberspace. I'm looking, so, I'm looking forward to it, and it's great to be back with you again, my man. Absolutely, my brother. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's Toddy D. Toddy, give me your, your social media handle. Let, let them know where to find you. I'm on Twitter, Toddy D Wrestling. YouTube, you can look me up at Toddy D, and Facebook as well as Toddy D Wrestling. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, and you know you got to find the Midnight Hustle because you're fucking here already. So just do that. Make sure to catch me on Instagram. Make sure to catch me on Twitter. Make sure to catch us on YouTube and everything else that we're doing. There's a whole lot more coming up. And if you're a big fan or you, you're interested in seeing more of this NWA cyberspace stuff, there's a bunch of matches that are online currently on the Midnight Hustle channel on YouTube. And there's a lot more that are coming. I've been putting up the ones that I had access to. Now I have access to a lot more. So you're going to see some of the bigger events, the bigger main events, stuff that includes guys from TNA, the Steel Cage match between Jeff Jarrett and Abyss. Uh, but you already got the dog collar match that's already out there. Dude, we have done so much shit, and I want to share it with you all. So make sure you check it out. Subscribe, comment, like. That's it for the Midnight Hustle. We're out of here. Toddy D, Die Hard Derek. God damn, I haven't said that shit in a long time. Forget Die Hard. He's done. He's done. It's over for him. And that's another story to talk about because George is scratching the surface, brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. Peace.